0: Love what you hear? Be sure to check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash finish the fight for exclusive episodes, insights, and even our D and D adventure. If you're an athlete, you know, the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same Jersey as you to be your best. Every time you step on the field, that's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, You can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. This is Spartan 117.
1: anyone hear me? Over. Isolate that signal. Master Chief, you mind telling me what you're doing on that ship?
2: Sir, finishing this fight.
1: All right, welcome back, everyone, to Finish the Fight, a Halo podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Reiners. And I'm your host, Alex Kendall. And we're going to be doing an episode that we've been hyping up for literally months at this point. I'm really excited. I told Alex this is the first time I've been anxious to do an episode in a minute. Like, I'm very excited. I know I added to these notes probably 30 minutes before I came over here. I know Alex was adding to them as well today. So we will be covering Halo 2. Yeah, and, and like Jesse said, it's...
0: It's a lot. It's so it's the second game in the Halo series, and I know you, it's been a while since our basically first episode mm-hmm. uh, with Combat Evolved, and so it's given us time to go through this, pick out the details we can, give you guys like little tidbits that you may or may not know, mm-hmm. and just kind of bring. Really cool, interesting episode for you guys.
1: Yeah, it was really cool because we've we've been doing this research. We even had a game night we'll touch about mm-hmm. just to help us get more familiar with, with that classic Halo 2 uh, multiplayer. So Halo 2 is a sci-fi military first-person shooter developed by Microsoft's Bungie Studios. This game was a direct sequel to Halo Combat Evolved surrounding the continued fight between the UNSC, the Covenant, and the Flood. It was released November 9th, 2004 so let's talk about first this you know kind of what happened with Bungie after Halo Combat Evolved yeah, some
0: post CE
1: yeah because initially what happened is they thought okay we did this one game we're gonna go back to Chicago so just to kind of refresh you guys Bungie was originally from Chicago they moved out to uh, Belleville Washington in order to develop Combat Evolved But that wasn't entirely the case. They weren't just going to move back to Chicago. They were actually told by uh, Pete Parsons, who is a manager to Bungie as an internal Microsoft executive, that they needed Halo 2 the next year because that's when Xbox Live was launching. He actually told this to Martin O'Donnell because they told him, like, we have the fiscal year planned out. And Martin O'Donnell basically responded with, quote, fuck the fiscal year. He told him that like cuz again, relationships with uh Microsoft and Bungie still weren't like awesome. They never really were the entire time that Bungie was owned by Microsoft.
0: Well, yeah, cuz like we talked about in our previous episode, they tried to corral them into this kind of corporate world mm-hmm. when that's just not how they functioned and operated. Yeah. And you definitely see especially in halo 2 what those time constraints did to the game
1: yeah and basically what he had said was like listen you can't tell bungie that they need this by the for the fiscal year tell them that they need something done by e3 or christmas like something like e3 will get them motivated if you tell them that hey we need we need this done because that's just what the numbers call for then it's just like no they're not going to do it because they're just stubborn and I and I, I can see the frustration on the both sides. I do kind of respect it. And then at the same time, it's like you guys did seek to get bought out by a corporation. So you have to comply by the corporation's rules. Sure. But
0: it's still with what's going on here. It's still something that plagues gaming mm-hmm. production in and of itself is time crunching.
1: Yeah, this and, this was a little too extreme, but I get what you were saying. Like, well,
0: I mean, you're still getting this with, like, Assassin's Creed and mm-hmm. Call of Duty, which is yearly games. Yeah. And you're trying to crush it all down. So, and like you said, like, if you throw in corporate jargon, mm-hmm. you're going to rebel. When yeah. you're like, hey, guys, we need this E3 launch or, like, we need this Christmas title, then it's more of like, okay, yeah, yeah, cool.
1: So it was kind of decided at that point that Halo 2 needed to get done. And one reason that Halo 2 started happening is because Jason Jones, one of the founders of Bungie, like felt like he oddly owed a sequel to the team. And mm-hmm. everyone was kind of confused about that. They're like, you don't really owe us anything. But they just, you know, they said, OK, like, let's do it. And something I do want to point out before we go any further, as I forgot to mention, is that... The Bungie office was, like, empty for a month after Combat Evolved because, you know, we talked about how many times it got changed and the time crunches. It was just, like, everyone became a ghost for about a month. Mm -hmm. I remember uh, reading that Marty said he would just, like, walk through the office. Of course, like, Martin O'Donnell's going to show up and no one else, but he would just walk through and just—it was empty. Like, isn't that crazy to think that, like, a game drove you to that?
0: I mean, it's it's not, like, bringing up the tech crunch and time crunch things again. I mean, when you're working— 18 hours a day on this, mm-hmm. and then you finally release the product, and one, it had great recognition, and people really bought into it and liked it, then mm-hmm. it's kind of like, did my job, I'll see you in a month. Yeah. I'll just <laughs> like, go sleep for a bit. Which,
1: it, it, Combat of was a cakewalk compared mm-hmm. to what we were going to go through. Yeah. But, you know, with that, with Jason Jones pushing for it, and Microsoft wanting it, they looked to Halo 2, and one thing they wanted to figure out is, what what were we trying to tell in Halo Combat Evolved that we couldn't. Like, what new things, what stories can we implement? And so one of the first things that happened was Jason Jones just locked himself in a room and just wrote down all his ideas, kind of like this mad scientist thing, which I kind of like. But uh, some of his initial ideas were um, silly, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Like, one of his first ones was Chief would be on, like, Kyra Station, and he would, like, look down and put his hands on the glass and see... Uh, the covenant attacking earth and he would say quote only blood will pay for this which i think is definitely not a master chief-esque quote and then another thing he wanted is he wanted uh miranda keys to be evil hmm. he he wanted he wanted uh her to strap a bomb to chief's back at one point and push him in a hole as like as an act of revenge for uh, letting her father die. So
0: basically, he locked himself in a room and watched Rambo and Terminator (laughs) and just like every other 80s dude film
1: apparently it was definitely uh like as i said n- those ideas didn't really happen i know uh joe staten really fought against having stuff like that happen clearly we saw uh the covenant attacking earth we st- we still saw miranda keys but we didn't see it we even had some bomb play in there mm-hmm. but we didn't see not the- all together yeah we 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 took little ideas and went off of that and uh, uh from the beginning The production for Halo Two was kind of a mess. You know, there was there was a lot of small groups of Bungie employees that were uh, meeting up to kind of plan out this this game, but none of them really were communicating together well. Like Jason was kind of like the leader of this, but yet he was kind of being wishy washy about this from the beginning. Mm -hmm. So there there wasn't a lot of leadership to be had
0: no and and some of the interesting stuff was like during the conceptual stage Mm -hmm. and that's kind of where you got the idea of playing as a covenant because they wanted to do something a little different than ce they wanted to have like the unexpected uh Uh,
1: and they wanted to push so that you could see the other side of the story yeah not a lot of not a lot of games were doing at the time yeah and so like because especially that was joe staten was really pushing for that Mm -hmm. as well which you got to give this game to Joe Staten. He saw a lot of this game through. He came up with a lot of the ideas, like, everything. Like, he is—granted, he is a very recognized person within the Bungie and Halo franchise. I still think he's an unsung hero, him and Marty, because Mm -hmm. what what we'll learn is, like, Marty was also kind of, like, ahead at Bungie, but not really. He was, like—he was really just a composer— but he helped with a lot of the decision-making and whatnot, which I think is really, really cool. So, like, especially, like, someone who doesn't have experience like that is stepping into those, those shoes, essentially. Mm-hmm. So something really cool that I actually found uh, while doing this research is that – and this, I don't know when exactly in the timeline this was. I know this was later on, but I just put it earlier on in the notes because I thought it was really cool – is the Arbiter was actually going to be called the Dervish which I'm kind of glad he was not called the dervish because it doesn't have the same ring. But essentially a dervish is like an Islamic term for a special warrior. But this was post 9-11, you know, only a year or so past it. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this was around the end of development. So they had all of the lines that any time the arbiter was addressed, it was the dervish. They had printed material with the dervish on it. So, you know, it was so much, so much re-recording and reprinting of material. And if you listen closely, I tried to find some videos I couldn't, but you can hear the occasional character refer to the Arbiter as Dervish, which I think is very, very interesting and just a small glimpse into everything that's starting to happen throughout the production. Even later on, we're starting to see some stuff like, I already not go according to plan. But then even just beyond like smaller issues like that, the first year was an absolute mess because they were tearing apart the engine and trying to improve it. And the first year of the game, it was not playable like whatsoever like it and they just had to keep going back and forth and back and forth and finally they released in 2002 uh, a cg uh, teaser trailer that would play in like movie theaters and on tv mm-hmm. and it was showing chief like getting ready to jump off cairo station it was like you know you could hear a radio chatter in the background of like oh uh the, the covenant is attacking earth and finally we see chief jump out he doesn't have the bomb or anything but we see him jump out and so that was the level that they saw. You saw, like, these reflections and his visor and everything, these updated, amazing... Granted, it was CG. It wasn't, like, actual engine It was Yeah, anything. it wasn't in-game play or anything. But they, they, they saw that as, like, the standard. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the beginning of where they really kind of let their ambition get way ahead of them because now they're like, that's the standard. We need to live up to that. And they learned very early on. Like, they absolutely could not.
0: Well, and that goes back to even talking about... Bungie being a studio that's they want to do their project and they want to have all this passion into it. Mm-hmm. But when Microsoft's like you got a year. Yeah. And then you start to see like them go to and start, all right, here's the ideas we're gonna have, this is what we're gonna do. When in reality Microsoft basically just wanted, can you just reskin that?
1: Yeah, because like, that's that's all CE would have been. Yeah. Like the gameplay would have been the same, the graphics would have been a little better but no they they wanted to they wanted to bring the best package possible cuz you got to remember as well they were going to end with this. halo 2 was going to be the ending of halo mm-hmm. regardless period we got a few books and two games you know so they were they were like okay let's make the best game ever and then just call it quits yeah but it it, it didn't turn out that way and well even in our halo 3 episode we'll kind of dive into why But uh, at one point during development, uh, there was actually other games being developed in Bungie Mm -hmm. uh, along with Halo 2. And so there was a team developing a game called Phoenix. And they were kind of getting demoralized and kind of like work was staggering. So Jason Jones, the guy who said, hey, let's do a second one. I'll stick this out. I don't like doing sequels, but I'm going to stick it out was like, hey, I'm going to go – I'm ditching this project. And I'm going to go with them. And Joe and Marty even took him out to lunch and said, you you can't do this, dude. Like y- this was your idea. You're kind of the leader at this point, and he just dips it. So you got to think like already the guy who came up with this and pushed for this just dips it. That's like – that's literally like if I quit this podcast right now after I was like, hey, Alex, let's start a podcast, and then I just quit. Like that's basically what happened. It's just like – because a lot of members of Bungie left with them. Yeah, And even then, like, they had to bring in, like, quote, new blood. So, like, a lot of Halo 2's development was created by junior developers who were learning on the spot. You got to think, this is pretty early on in development. Like, this isn't, like, last-minute touches. So, like, automatically they were kind of being... Set up for failure. And even at this point, uh, Alex Seropian, he, I, and I can't remember why off the top of my head, but he also wasn't part of this either. So both Bungie founders had nothing to do with Halo 2 at mm-hmm. this point. And so now they're left with, again, junior developers learning on the spot, probably fresh out of college or getting ready to graduate, like being set up for failure instantly. But, you know, pushing through, they did the next year, they had that playable demo yeah. at, uh, at E3. The 2003 E3.
0: Yeah, and so that demo took a total of seven months to develop, and Bungie kept almost any news of Halo under wraps until E3. So fans didn't have any idea what to expect, which for them was great in mind, because mm-hmm. like, we got to put this out,
1: so let's keep everything under wraps, don't get hopes up, and we'll put this out so they can see it. It's kind of like what we're living with, with infinite right now Mm -hmm. minus like an actual like playable demo it's still this idea that we know you know we know next to nothing about it but so this trailer was basically a culmination of everything they wanted to put in uh joe joe staton really just wanted he's like at the last minute he's like let's add this let's add this let's add this and so this what this trailer or this this uh this e3 playthrough i've watched it a few times it's it's pretty crazy but so the demo was a live playthrough which was different you know it wasn't any like cgi or anything like that it was joe standing in front of a small like a small screen and then it was projected behind of him actually playing the game but i I, and again they, they did some different things with this because joe starts talking about okay the fire exits in the back and then you see johnson pop up on the screen behind him and start like yelling at him for like trying to do that and then Johnson says you know this is a you know he explains this is a real gameplay demo and like everything you're gonna see is is in game so that again really cool elements that they 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 put through I know it's essentially um the second or third mission of Halo uh it's definitely it's I think it's outskirts we have a Mm -hmm, like the mm -hmm. the covenant invading I know that the brutes are there but I think it it is really really cool to see like what they had come up with and the the crowd themselves like if you watch a video of the crowds reaction it's like they it's like they saw God. Like, all of them had their jaws dropped, and they were all just, like, losing their mind. Like, even uh, Orlando Jones was there because he was a huge Halo fan, which he actually ends up voicing Sergeant Marcus Banks in the game. But there were people at that demo who were going back two or three times to watch it to make sure that, like, it wasn't just uh, someone playing. Already
0: already self-recorded or playing it back.
1: Yeah, no, they were, like, making sure that things were different. And then— Yeah. Which which makes sense because—
0: You have to figure at that time when you didn't have YouTube, you didn't have any time you could replay clips. I mean, there Mm -hmm. was plenty of times when people, you'd have some developer come up in his sweet sports coat with some classic T-shirt under it. And (laughs) Joe uh, is just T-shirt, I will say this. Just a T-guy. Joe's a T-guy. And they would have a controller. And they would be like, you know, like doing the moves and shifting into it. Mm -hmm. And when in reality, it's either someone backstage playing it or yeah. it's already a pre recorded demo.
1: Yeah, it, but it was crazy. People were just watching it again and again. And you know, this this demo was amazing looking. It uh had featured uh this lighting called uh stencil lighting model. Uh only thing like with everything that the feature or that this uh this demo had is that it would slow the frame rate mm-hmm. down to like three, was it like three per second? Which so uh a slideshow. Yeah, essentially. And so after all that it was it was a great reception and they got back to the office and they realized they could not use any of that because it like they got lucky there because the the Xbox couldn't render that no, environment oh, no. so like you got to realize now it's 2003 we now have to essentially start from scratch mm-hmm. and that's where i want to move on to the later stages of development because It's now to the point, okay, we've had two years, and now we have literally nothing to show for it. Yeah. Uh, You know, Joe Staten had uh, this to say about development later on. Quote, we ordered ourselves a giant sandwich, took a bite, but didn't realize exactly how big it was before we started in. And we did that across the board, technically, artistically, and story-wise. But, of course, we didn't figure that out until way too late. Yeah. And so at this point... Two years of development was thrown out,
0: so they Mm -hmm. pretty much threw it all the wayside, and Bungie was almost starting from scratch. So all those teams were brought in on Halo 2. Phoenix, Bungie West, the Monster Hunter group, everyone that had a project basically Mm -hmm. was like, put that on hold, come in, and let's do
1: this now. Yeah, which means that um, Jason Jones would be returning, kind of that awkward thing like, (laughs) It's like, oh, hey, yeah, we dated the same person (laughs) a lot.
0: Because that's literally
1: (laughs) what had to happen was that, like, Everyone came in like, all right, let's go. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter about your game, your game or your game. Not important right now. Halo, this is like one of the most hyped games right now. So it's crazy to think that there were like three or four other projects that got scrapped just for Halo. Well, and
0: I think as you see like the writing on the wall with the reception of that E3 demo mm-hmm. and just people gawking at it be like, yes, it's like. We have to live up to those expectations. Yeah. And if we do, I think we're going to do great. Like, that has to be, like, what's going through your mind is, like, we have to get this done. Like, if that's what people were seeing, like, with that, when we have a full thing out for them, like, let's, we need to do something for them.
1: Yeah. And so, for another year, the campaign wasn't playable. Like, they had to, starting from scratch, like, all of a sudden, we're just like, oh, shit, we're we're now in trouble. And so, you know, that year goes by. And during that year, uh, Ed Fry's uh, he He had been working with Bungie, I believe we talked about him in the combat mm-hmm. of all the episode. He went in front of a board of officials for Microsoft and he said like listen this I think this is right before I think this is around 2003. He said listen they need another year or they, they like they need another year so please give them that. They said, so you have the option give them another year or have them ship it out as soon as possible. And initially they said have them ship it out mm-hmm. and Ed Fry says, I will quit on the spot if that happens and so they said okay okay they can have more times but six months later he ended up quitting because and to side note researching for this finding those old 2003 web pages is a treat you were sending me a few Mm -hmm, of them mm -hmm. uh, earlier this week but yeah so I found a very old article and and he had basically said that you know you don't really have a lot of freedom when it comes to these games time-wise artistically anything like that and that's what he was looking for so this game is already driving a few people to quit try to get away from the project but being pulled back so like this game is kind of like a black hole at this point development wise yeah
0: and and it makes sense i mean look at present day games that take Eight years, Mm -hmm. nine years, and the quality that's put into them. Mm. When in reality of the games that are driven by EA or whatever, that are like, you know, like the factory games, best way to put it. They're like, put onto assembly line and put together. I mean, going back with this, when they were developing the campaign levels, it was all based on whiteboard sketches like yeah. they didn't even have time to make digital blueprints to kind of sketch it out they were just like, yeah uh, that's it that's, that's it. it so
1: they had to like look at a whiteboard and then just like program <laughs> it like things yeah. like that that were absolutely crazy but you know they they also did do some really cool things and they really tried to implement new things like for instance like uh, they wanted to make the the guns act more like Real guns and sound more like real guns. Mm-hmm. So they they went and they recorded all like the guns that went out to a shooting range. And then even with Marines, like we had talked about with Nyland, how his Marines kind of didn't act like a Marine should. Yeah, that's the kind of uh, feedback that Halo combat of was getting is that these Marines aren't really acting like a Marine should. A Marine would fire more than twice and then just hide, like, stuff mm-hmm. like that. So they went and they actually hung out with some Marines one day and, like, watched how they would interact and all this stuff. I remember watching this video and the developers kind of looked like almost like, granted, they look scared. It's like these guys are going against nothing, but they're still just like, oh. These guys, like it's like it's, little kids watching it, it was really cool to see though and I like the idea that they have people from the military who loved this game and said you need to improve this though like it's 500 years in the future these guys should be acting even more buckled down than mm-hmm. we are now but along other things like they wanted to improve the sound quality and it was like cool that they had these multiple rooms like digital rooms built that would just have like sand or metal or wood or dirt or brick and they would just sit there and experiment with that which I will say I think some of my favorite parts about researching this is seeing how anything to do with sound is done I mean clearly like we have this podcast we're very interested in the idea of sounds like I used to play in Bands years ago. So it was always cool to see these these new and different things. I know when Infinite, that trailer just mm-hmm. dropped, they released a uh, – uh, or 343 released this video showing, like, some of the things they did with the sound. And they would, like, put stuff against, like, old IMAX to make them, like, start, like, freaking out and buzzing. Like, little things like that that they they really go the extra mile. And we saw that in Halo 2 as well. They, they only not wanted to make this game – Look as beautiful as possible for 2004, but sound as beautiful as possible.
0: Yeah, because going back, I mean, think of like some of your favorite childhood games, and like one of the things that could instantly bring it to mind is the soundtrack.
2: Mm. If a
0: game had a great soundtrack, like the nostalgia of it just brought it back. So now we're really seeing games involved the movie-making process of sound. Mm -hmm. Yeah, They're actually creating sounds for it. It's not just digital tones. It's real-life stuff created to make it, just as you would do in a movie.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, moving on in development, this game was originally supposed to have nine missions, starting at Earth, bringing you to Delta Halo, and then taking you back to Earth for the grand conclusion. Though reality had set in, and developers realized they didn't have the time to implement everything they wanted to do in Halo 2, Mm -hmm. which... We've basically been saying and we'll keep saying like all these cool things that got cut. And when we get to the cut section of this, it's a laundry list of shit that they had to cut. So during the last five months of development, uh, Joe Staten had said that the team probably wasn't going to be seeing the sun at all doing to the workload because they were literally coming in at four or five in the morning and leaving at 10 at night. That's just the reality of like this game. Mm hmm. And so, like, throughout the developing process, there were still some issues. Like, Marty never liked the idea that there was no, quote-unquote, twist in Halo 2. He said that in, in uh, Halo Combat Evolved, the twist was the flood. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, Jason Jones was like, oh, no, playing as the Arbiter is the twist, which I think that was cool, but that was by no means ever a, a twist for me. Which I will say, I think the twist for me was the, uh, the betrayal of the Brutes and the Elites. Yeah, I would, I would say that. I mean, I thought it was neat—
0: that you played like when when you first get in there and you're the arbiter like that's Mm -hmm. cool and you have grunts and elites with you that was neat, but you're right. I think the betrayal, you know, seeing the flood again, I guess, was kind of that, but it's at that point, like, oh, It okay. wasn't, it
1: wasn't, you know, because yeah. it's like, we know who this is. It's mm-hmm. not as scary or a- ambiguous to us. Yeah. But, you know, Bungie was still adamant about, like, putting out a game that they didn't feel is, like, the best thing on earth. They didn't want a good enough game, and that's what kind of put them in this this hole that they're, they've been digging, and they were kind of, like, trying to climb out of a hole and still digging all up until, you know, they had to stop working on this game. But but developers were legitimately scared about the workload that they saw every day, you know? I mean, I know you for sure have long days. My girlfriend has long days. But there are reports of, of developers there working 20-hour days. Like, I think it's just absolutely crazy crazy to think of like some of them described it as quote jumping out of a plane with silkworms and needles and having to make your parachute as you're falling and I think that's very close to like how they probably felt at that point
0: yeah I mean I know with any of this whenever you're working in creative development and you have crunch time and things change Mm -hmm. and it's like we need that project done by tomorrow it's like all right cool working throughout the night we're working you know
1: yeah well as i said like my girlfriends by the way she is the reason that alex and i know each other but she there's nights she works till midnight like i and that's so crazy to me and then she goes into the next day and works an eight-hour day so like this was that on steroids on inside the batmobile essentially Mm -hmm. like it it was that to the next level um Uh, Paul Bertone had this to say about the final month or two working for Halo. And I quote, I slept at the office
0: some obscene amount of days in a row, like almost an entire month at the end. I kenneled my dog for almost two months. There would be mornings I'd wake up at home and not remember how I got there and many others where I'd wake up at my desk or somebody else's. It was that way for a lot of people. A lot of relationships got fractured and that felt irreparable. At the time.
1: Have you ever done that though? Have you ever gotten home and then like or you woke up the next morning and you're not drinking or anything? You're so tired and you're like, How did I get here?
0: Yeah, I mean there's there's been times here where like I'll just crash overnight when I'm working on a project.
1: Dude, it's terrifying. I used to work thirds. That was my first job. And some mornings I'd wake up and I was like, How did I get home? I would because I would fall asleep in my car and, and my driveway and be like, Holy shit. Like, so that's terrifying to think. But you know, I mean, worst of all, he had to kennel his dog for two months. Yeah, that sucks, man. They, they, you got to think it's like that's how dedicated people were to this. They were like kenneling their dog. We're gonna learn about even more that kind of happens and like things that happen to people. Like, it's just crazy to think. But you know, at this point, Halo 2's third act was cut completely from the game. We now have one third, 33% of this game is now gone because they knew that they would need at least at least another year 12 Mm -hmm. months to do that third act and they they didn't so it was the third act was going to feature chief and the arbiter teaming up to defeat the prophets discovering the ark and fighting their way through the ark facing multiple scarabs and finally making their way back to earth and that's how halo as a franchise was supposed to end i
0: mean that's exactly how halo 2 ended
1: you <laughs> fought a couple
0: of things you had some really long cut scenes with some floaty orb that and... johnson was on and you know with spark and That's it. It was great.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, you know, at this point, it's like, okay, we just have to end with Chief saying uh, that famous line, sir, finishing the fight. Mm -hmm. Uh, But so many, if not all of the Bungie employees hated that ending. You know, they felt it was like, quote, disjointed. And to this day, Halo 2 is regarded as one of the one of the greatest video games of all time with one of literally the worst endings of all time. I know, like, Martin O'Donnell said, he's like, just Google it right now. Google worst video game ending. Halo 2 will pop up. So it's crazy to think that, like, it's such a contrast between, like, such a great game, fuck that ending.
0: Yeah, and I would say Halo 2 probably bumps it up from worse because 3 actually came out.
1: Yeah. If
0: if a third game never came out and that was the ending, Mm -hmm. you're like, Cool. Yeah, then thanks, then thanks for making the middle movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like thanks <laughs> for taking the
1: story building one. Yeah, but by the end of development, some weren't sure if Bungie could stay together afterwards. Development costs some employees to end up single from relationships and marriages. Yeah. This game cost people their marriage. Like I really want to emphasize like Any critiques you have about this game realized everything they went through realized their ambition and what they wanted to do for us they wanted to give us the best thing ever because they thought they were going to go out with a bang but between these time crunches these unrealistic expectations we got what we got which is a pretty damn good game we'll go into gameplay and the campaign and everything else but at the end of the day it cost people their marriages man.
0: Yeah, and, and realize that's what a lot of production does. And every I want everybody to understand this. Whether a game is great or good or terrible, mm-hmm. there's always a production team and humans behind it. I mean, that's one of the big things with Anthem right now. I don't know if you followed that news. but I personally have not. But Anthem uh, was basically a huge, huge game that came out that EA was pushing hardcore, that basically all the Mass Effect developers went to go produce. Yeah. And it is garbage. It's yeah. broken,
1: it's terrible, and it was one of those games kind of like this where it was rushed. Yeah, I, I don't know how much well Bungie wasn't rushed or not Bungie, but Destiny itself wasn't rushed, but even the first game like I played it and then when I was done I was like, "What did I just do?" Mm-hmm. Like so always like you got to think like this is this is an art like if yeah, you think is. about it and you know some people love love the art, and some people don't like it. So at the end of the day, like, this this really wore down on everyone. As I said, it was to the point that the studio thought, like, are we going to be able to ever do another game again? Like, because there's no, like, we're shattered at this point. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, there's a really cool quote. It's not cool. It's actually very depressing that sums up the development of this game. So, quote. There's a famous drawing that someone did on a whiteboard in the team space that shows a plane on fire trying to land on a runway. And people were jettisoning cargo crates out of the back of the plane in order to try to get it on the runway. Every crate has a name of a feature we had to cut. In the end, we ran out of room on the whiteboard for all the crates. Wow. Isn't that crazy? You got to think it was probably a big whiteboard, too like
0: you know one of those big
1: ones (laughs) (laughs) i'm just assuming it's a game studio man they don't have any time for small whiteboards. not the small ones the big (laughs) one so that was it you know one third of the campaign was cut out entirely it still had to release in november when it did So before we go into the campaign itself, let's move on to how they marketed this campaign Mm -hmm. because they had some pretty interesting things they did. Now, of course, I talked about that that initial trailer uh, that they had released with the CGI that kind of set their expectations Mm -hmm. high and really got everyone hyped up. But then we also had E3 2003, which we talked about, that that playable demo that was absolutely not playable, essentially. Yeah. And then we had E3 2004, which this is where it got interesting.
0: Yeah, because a few days before they were going to hold this presentation for the 04 E3, they held a private party in Beverly Hills, and it was decorated to resemble the Halo universe, and it was attended by many celebrities. So they're trying to get kind of mm-hmm. the this, this celeb word out. Yeah. And then— so after this party at e three we would see an actual demo of Halo Two multiplayer showcasing the new Spartan armor elites and weapons after the demo showcased however it would it would actually be playable
1: to mm-hmm. e three attendees, which is which is you know like you and I had that discussion about like is e three gonna last I think little things like that, especially in like the prime of Halo like was a reason that e three was so big for so long you didn't you you couldn't.
0: You couldn't sign someone for a beta test. That's that's one of the big things. Is mm-hmm. that back then you'd have to ship them the system, you'd ship them the gear for all this. So. Yeah. That's a whole other story. But yeah, it's 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 really cool that they actually had demos and, you mm-hmm. know, lights and just cool fanfare for well,
1: Dude, I th- even today, like, you know, there's Halo Outpost Discovery which it's up in the air if we're going, but uh like something like that was unheard of having like this house decorated to look like it's the theme and like of of Halo universe. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's absolutely uh, crazy and if they did that today, I would love it. Not just like the outpost thing, but even just this weird private event. Mm-hmm. Uh, So, you know, of course, we had multiple trailers that were released, some story ones, some for television, some that were released online. Uh, They also did what they kind of did with Combat Evolved is they had a few websites. Halo2.com was like the first time they made a website just for the game itself alongside Mm -hmm. Bungie. And they also did this different route with a website called I Love Bees because Bungie has to be very cryptic about their marketing sometimes. Mm-hmm. I've never truly understood it. I can appreciate it, but by all means, I don't I don't understand it. So what was I Love Bees, Alex?
0: So I Love Bees, when I looked into this and looked at like the pre-pages, mm-hmm. so it acted as a beekeeper's website that had gotten taken over by an AI. And so it featured many audio clips pertaining to the prologue of Halo 2
1: story. So it's kind of yeah. similar to what we got with CE. Yeah, and I listened to some of them. I couldn't really make the like that's what like with our research that's what it was kind of pointing to but it's like I would listen to someone I'm like I have no I can't do this thing like I can't I can't connect these dots here it's yeah. just just even more cryptic for you yeah exactly but but you, you got to appreciate that they were still doing very out of the box things like this you know and so it was really cool to see that and another thing that was very unique uh, sort of I know Xbox was doing this in general but we had the Halo Two. Council. Mm-hmm. The Halo 2 Council was a group of celebrities that would help promote Halo 2. These celebrities included Wilmer Valderrama, Fez from that 70 show, Benjamin McKenzie from the OC, Aisha Taylor from Criminal Minds, and Jeremy Shockey of the New York Giants and the bands Hoobastank, Incubus, and Linkin Park. Kind of bullshit they didn't include Breaking Benjamin on there, but I digress. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, these celebrities were given an advanced copy of Halo 2, which included a case that had a portable Xbox, an HD 15-inch screen, and an Ethernet cable and two controllers with an Xbox Live Headset. They were also offered VIP tours of Bungie Studios, voiceover uh, recording sessions as well, and access to Halo Two during development processes. That's cool. So that's really neat that that case they
0: gave him only you know weighed probably about four hundred pounds.
1: <laughs> it's <was> really portable. <laughs> well, I remember even when like the 360 came out, like that, like those cases were like the shit. Like to have like a little like screen on there and whatnot, mm-hmm. like for it to be portable. Because you got to think like maybe you're on a train for seven or eight hours. If you have one of those, like that, can consume a lot of your time in two thousand seven. Like, make the day go by. Where are you gonna find a plug on a train? Where, yeah. What are you
0: doing? Where, how much space are you taking up on this train for your portable Xbox?
1: The last time I took a train from Chicago, I had both seats and we had plugs. So, oh, uh,
0: that kind of train, not like a
1: morning commute train. Oh, that was, no, no, that no, like no, a no. Subway. No, well, no, that's why I meant like seven hour train. Got um. it.
2: <laughs> Got it. <laughs>
1: yeah uh, so you know these members of the Halo 2 Council promoted the game through Halo related events one notable event was actresses Aisha Tyler's birthday party where a hundred guests attended and they were going to play advanced versions of the multiplayer which mm-hmm. again super cool can you imagine there, there had to be a handful of the people within that group that were Halo fans if not all of them that's why they were selected so I think that would be really really cool like to to be able to say like because like, you got to think Halo Halo two was such a big part of video game history so to be part of that and see the behind the scenes i think is pretty damn legendary Mm -hmm. so so what happened along with you know some this kind of i want to say marketing like there was a leak yeah
0: so so not necessarily marketing in the way you'd normally have it but on october 14th 2004 27 days before its november 9th release date a complete version of halo 2 was leaked and available online through different pirating sites hell yeah Hell yeah! Yeah. (laughs) Don't do that. It was it was a pirated PAL version of the game with French language dialogue, which more than likely meant whoever they sent the game out to do the French translation probably leaked it. Mm -hmm. Because that's if you if you ever we don't we've never done in our lives, but if you ever pirate a movie. Mm -hmm. and it's in a different language and the movie's not released yet on like Mm blu-ray and it's not a screen grab it's typically from a translator
1: so you know that all Bungie just were just (laughs) i in the french office so yeah it it was
0: like reading through this article but i was nuts like microsoft was basically like bringing down the band hammer and saying like listen we're figuring out whoever did this and you know putting a steep penalty to it Mm -hmm. and what's crazy is a message directed at members of the Bungie.net forums warned, quote, a link on this forum of, you know, to download the the game will be permanently banned. And those who listed their gamer tag in their Bungie.net profile would risk having their Xbox Live account's ability to play Halo 2 crippled. We are not kidding around here.
1: Yeah, that's just like, that's like last minute shit going on. Like, that's like a worst case contingency plan. Like.
0: Yeah, I mean to, to have all of the development cycle to r- scrap it, to do this, to that, to then eventually have the whole game leak
1: yeah. right before
0: release is crazy. Now, from the the articles I read from back then, mm-hmm. Bungie's like or Bungie and Microsoft was like it had no impact on sales, which we'll talk about kind of in the release stuff. Yeah. But apparently it had no impact on sales, but it probably gave the PR team the biggest headache they've ever had.
1: Yeah. Which you gotta think maybe even like it might have helped because you gotta think of what few people played it were like, holy shit, get this game. Yeah, like,
0: I mean, I would say like even more so if that was today. When you actually have mm-hmm. streamers and YouTubers who'd be like, Yeah, I check out this. Like, back then, it was basically just a message board, yeah. which well, is we Well, think of
1: Halo Online. Mm-hmm. When that released, so many streamers were getting their stuff taken down, but at the end of the day, like, all these people were just like, oh, my God, you need to play this. And th- with those streamers getting behind it just overnight, like, that 0.6 patch that El Dorito put on just skyrocketed it. It's really, like, it sucked that that happened, but, like... The the amount of hype that was around this game and we'll talk about the general reaction, like there's no way something like that would have hurt it.
0: Yeah, and like I said, I, I don't ever pirate anything, but if you guys wanted the 0.6.0 El Dorito patch, it just might happen to be on Pirate Bay, and there might yeah. just happen to be a link on Reddit to get the six point one mm-hmm. patch to be able to the zero point six point one patch to play.
1: There's a possibility all you have to do is look up like You know, Xbox or uh, Halo Online or even just El Dorito 0.6 patch. And it might be one of the first things that show up. You might find it. You know, we're not saying. But, you know, if we ever were to do that, that's just speculation. So now before we get into the last thing I want to cover before we get into kind of the campaign and the, the playthrough itself is what is new? Which they added, you know, the point of this was for them to add all the things they couldn't in Halo Combat Evolved. So they added a lot of really, really cool things. Uh, and the first thing I think that everyone noticed was no more health bar. Mm-hmm. You just had your shields and then X amount of times until you died, or got shot, and then you died, essentially. Yeah, because
0: Halo 2 came out about that same time that I think everyone kind of either piggybacked off that or everyone's kind of doing it because Call of Duty switched to that, where your screen just became really red, and other uh-huh. games followed suit, where you didn't, necessarily even have a shield. It was just like you had some sort of thing and then no health bar and whatever you had would regenerate Yeah, back.
1: your eyes would go red and you'd <laughs> yes. bleed out of your eyes until you bleed took cover. your eyes until
0: you wiped them off.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, and also of course the shield would recharge faster. Yes. That's literally the first thing you do in the game is find out I have no more health and my shield is now faster. Yeah, they even make a uh, comment when the guy's setting you up, he's like, we got you a faster shield. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, you also had playable elites in the multiplayer and campaign which it was a first for the halo franchise especially and i, I guess i brain farted but doing research about this because i hadn't touched halo 2 multiplayer in probably 10 years at this point so then it like the second i saw it, it was like playable elites in the multiplayer i was like oh yeah that was as far back as halo 2 mm-hmm. but another thing yeah, we had...
2: you,
0: you
1: play as a stupid elite multiplayer <laughs> i love playing as the elite <laughs> so yeah and then also we had characters boarding vehicles which i liked that the developers got this idea from Grand Theft Auto Vice City, which is crazy to think that a game like Halo, a sci-fi first person military shooter, takes inspiration from Vice City, killing hookers.
0: Well, not just that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's it's
1: cool and it, it it really made the game dynamic especially mm-hmm. for multiplayer yeah because then the second someone gets on a vehicle you're not screwed like you have a fighting chance essentially so i like that they really thought about all these kind of things another thing we saw we have two boss fights in the game
2: mm-hmm.
1: one of them pretty easy one of them pretty hard which we'll go into once we do our uh walk through the campaign we also had Brutes. This is the first time we'd see the Brutes. I know if you listen to our previous episode, that's technically when they got introduced into the franchise, but this is the first time we would There's actually visually actually get confirmation of what mm-hmm. they are. Yeah, we actually get to see them, see how they fight. Um, I like the early concepts of the Brutes at first showed them having three eyes, and then again being Cyclops. And I know they also got inspiration from uh, Chewbacca from Star Wars. Yeah, so you can definitely see it. It's pretty, yeah, because that was right when the, the original, or the, the, the pr- first the- Uh, The prequels prequels were coming out, so of course people had Star Wars on the mind. Um, Another thing that we saw for the first time were buggers. And buggers were actually born from early concepts of the prophets. I actually did like looking into some early concepts of these new characters because it was cool. Again, buggers came from the prophets. I would have never expected that. Mm-hmm. We also had uh of course the prophets themselves. We finally got to see them in this game. Now, early concepts of the prophets had them portrayed almost as like these ghost or phantom like creatures, but the direction kind of shifted cuz they they wanted the the prophets to look feeble but sinister, which I I did like those early concepts as well. Uh we had new sentinel enemies which we'll we'll go into. Uh, that we also saw phantoms, which yeah, so, became. So now uh,
0: we're jumping. Because one of the biggest jumps for me as we get into this with with Halo 2 was vehicles uh-huh. with either changes or new ones, as well as weapons. So you want to start off with those vehicles?
1: Yeah. So, so phantoms, which replaced the spirit mm-hmm. and became a, kind of a staple within Halo for many, many years to come. Yes. Yeah, so you, you didn't have the tuning fork coming in anymore. No, had... no. Which I liked the spirits. So it was nice whenever we saw them come back mm-hmm. in Halo Reach uh we also we also had boosts on the ghosts, which was different and crazy, and make just just a whole new level for the gameplay and like multiplayer and mm-hmm. things like that uh We could finally drive the wraith, which was really, really cool, so that itself wasn't new, but driving it was uh as well as the goss hog for the first time, just that powerhouse that yeah. badass machine. Uh, And then we also uh, saw a new scorpion tank more updated and it could actually shoot just regular rounds now instead of just firing that one uh, cannon shot. Uh, and then we also saw the Spectre for the first time, which was kind of the uh, Covenant Warthog. Mm-hmm. And the, the Spectre is pretty fun to use. We also had this uh, Covenant transport vehicle, and the, I don't think you ever get to drive those. You, you just got to kill them.
0: Yeah, because we only see them in Outskirts, whenever you're kind of just flying through, trying to get to the end. That's when you first uh-huh. see what we're going to see as a scarab. The scarab kind of shoot that
1: warthog
2: mm-hmm. down
1: below deck. It's- yeah, we had saw it in the, the beginning of the, the mission, which that's something that's on the list is is the scarab. Mm-hmm. Like you see that for the first time, and that was really, really cool to see like this big giant machine, like you didn't know the covenant had and it gave me a lot of war, war or War of the World vibes, which I love that book. Yeah. And so like, it was very nostalgic for me seeing that, and I think they, I think they got a huge inspiration from that. I'd like to have thought. I couldn't. I tried to do some research. I couldn't find anything. But we also saw some new stuff on top of uh, the vehicle. Something I want to add in is real time reflections, which I think is like at the time was pretty revolutionary to see. But let's move on to weapons. So, yeah, so this was one of
0: my favorite things that changed within the game, and I would say one of the major aspects that probably sticks with most people is the introduction of dual wielding, Mm -hmm. which allowed for weapon combos, whether it be a Covenant or UNSC weapon, you'd put one in either hand uh, and then fire it that way, so you can charge up a plasma pistol and then have a SMG, SMG or, you know, like whatever other handheld and just take them out, kind of create
1: your own new yeah. combo
0: with it that we'll talk about a little bit.
1: Yeah. Like, or like a plasma rifle and then SMG. That was like a, that was a good oh, way to take out. Super nice. Yeah. Especially for anything with shields, just burn the shield down mm-hmm. and do immediate damage. Yeah. So stuff like that, introducing these new techniques and combinations.
0: Yeah. It, it was a whole revolutionary feel. That kind of brought it back to Goldeneye and those yeah. type of games where you could dual-wield stuff, even though it was crazy, weirdly overpowered and fun, <laughs> Like it still created these new combinations. And so, to start off with our UNSC, mm-hmm. like you said, we were interested in the SMG, mm-hmm. basically just the little rat-a-tat-tat
1: gun. Yeah, that, I, I never liked the SMG, personally.
0: It was, it was a better assault rifle in the way that you could dual-wield it, mm-hmm. and it
1: was quicker yeah, I don't know. It just, it. just Sometimes I felt like a little underpowered. Maybe I'm crazy, but... No, it, it definitely was. I I think it was trying to be on par to
0: the damage output between single shots of plasma pistol and plasma rifle. That's kind of yeah. what it felt to me was in yeah. between
1: that. So what else do we got? Uh,
0: so this is the introduction of one of Halo's biggest staples, which is the battle rifle, uh-huh. which is a three-round burst rifle that allowed a two-time scope uh, that created the noob combo, which was basically a fully charged... Plasma blast from your plasma pistol would drain a shield completely, Mm -hmm. and then you just pull out the battle rifle, headshot. They're dead.
1: Yeah, and then we had that that new Magnum, right? Which so so
0: the new Magnum. A lot of people, it. We first hear somewhat of an introduction to it in First Strike. Whenever Halsey's telling Red Team, I think, when Red Team's with her, like, hey, yeah. I got a new pistol surprise for you. Here's this pile of shit. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I personally love it. Uh, it has no zoom. It is definitely weaker than the Magnums in the first game. Mm-hmm. Fire rate's up, though. And you get some dual-wielding pistols. You get some Wild West action going.
1: Uh-huh. Oh, Can't be stopped. Yeah, there, there was definitely a trade-off. Uh, and I'd say, like, everyone loves the combat of all the pistol, but I think... I, I definitely don't think that it belongs in the realism of a, a Halo. Like, I know people are going to get upset being like, oh, you don't like it, it's a fun thing. But when you look at Halo and how grounded the story and the weapons are like that, it doesn't belong. Like, let's be honest. It's fun, but it didn't belong. And it could have been changed with more of their talks with military experts yeah. in the real world mm-hmm. about
0: how it's a sidearm. It's not yeah. supposed to be this like pow, pow. you It's not dead supposed to every- be a sniper.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, And so we also had some changes to the rocket launcher.
0: Yep. So the rocket launcher, uh, it still has your two-round reload, but it can now lock on to, I don't want to say just vehicles, but turrets, vehicles, anything that's like a mountable
1: target. Yeah, which which made gameplay a lot easier and a lot smoother for gameplay and making targets not... Like, you're not really kind of guessing if you're going to hit them or trying to predict where they're going. Now you lock on, you're good to go. Well, especially with
0: Sky Battles. I mean, Mm -hmm. it it really changed with multiplayer having the Banshees in there and being able to fly that around and having the maneuverability of it. Mm -hmm. You can now... You're now scared to kind of still be in a vehicle and in the sky yeah. if the other team gets rockets. Well,
1: that's one thing they wanted to introduce was balance. And mm-hmm. I think they did very, very well, especially, you know, we'll touch on our, our uh, multiplayer night that we did. But, yeah, like finding a good balance, I think, was pretty key. And I think they, they hit the nail on the head. Yeah. So one other thing with
0: UNSC weapons
1: huh. uh, removal, no assault rifle. Oh yeah yeah yeah. And that's that's part of the our, our laundry list of cut shit. But yeah, like which I'm fine with. <laughs> <laughs> well, I it improved, it improved, and, and and CE it wasn't the best weapon. So I think they definitely needed something that was more like an assault rifle, yeah. which was the SMG, and then we needed something that was more like a rifle. I
0: I agree, I agree, but we'll talk more about my hate on that in Further games. But you're right. Let's let's go
1: over to the covenant now. Yeah. Um, so Jesse, start us off. So we got one of my favorite, the brute shot. Mm-hmm. I love this thing. And I I love it more in Halo 3, but they definitely introduced it. You had like what, twelve rounds with a brute shot in this game? It was so insane. Sixteen total. Cause you get a four in the chamber and twelve extra. Oh, yeah, it was four in the chamber. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I got it mixed up. But yeah, you had That thing was just awesome, and the second you got one from a brute, it was amazing. And of course, when you did the melee, it had just this giant blade on it, like almost like a Serbian looking blade. Like it was, it was really cool to see that they started adding a little bit of culture to these enemies, not just like not just having them be these random enemies, but like here's a gun that's specifically for them. And I think it sums them up as a weapon. It does, and and that's what I really love as we go through this list of especially brute weapons Uh was
0: they are very. Brutal.
1: Yeah. And... They
0: they had high damage outputs at certain times. Mm-hmm. Uh, each one, I for the most part, I believe, had some sort of blade on it.
1: Yeah, and then like we got more of those in later games. Um, but yeah, like the giving the brutes their own culture, and we'll talk about that in Halo 3 as well, like really like, you know, letting these enemies have like very specific things that they do, how they shoot, how they fight. Like mm-hmm. I think that was like such a staple thing for Halo that other games were starting to borrow from. But along with the Brute Shot, we had uh the Carbine. Like we could we could use that. And I I actually when it comes to like a game that doesn't have like a BR, say like uh, in reach, I prefer the carbine over the, the DMR because yeah. you can shoot a lot quicker with it. Uh, we also had the fuel rod cannon that was playable for the first time in the campaign. Mm-hmm. I know that we could play it on the PC, PC. version of so Combat Evolved. I, I guess
0: you'd say first on console as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, so first time we could play Mm -hmm. it on console in general. Uh, We were also able to use the energy sword for the first time, which was a big deal because everyone loved that thing. And the first time you ever played Combat Evolved, you shot the Elite and you're like, I'm going (laughs) to go for it. And then it just, you're like looking around, like it's almost like, have you seen that video of a uh, raccoon that's holding uh, cotton
2: candy candy and it goes (laughs) in the
1: water and it just looks so confused because it doesn't understand. So it was essentially like that we had to experience. Now, we also got a plasma rifle, but it was red Mm -hmm. because it was the brute little details like that i liked all they had to do was change the skin but yet it was like stuff like that i think really mattered
0: and what i love with it is that it had a faster firing rate uh-huh. so it could put more damage output but it would overheat just that same amount sped up
1: yeah but again kind of like that that, that, br- co-
0: that brutal yeah yeah
1: no no pun intended but yeah it was like it was supposed to show that these guys at least like you know they're they're tanks so by all means, everything that they do and the kind of weapons they're going to use are going to be tanks as well. Uh, another thing we had is the, the uh, particle beam rifle, which is basically just the covenant sniper rifle, mm-hmm. which everyone called. And it, I have I can't remember the last time I've seen particle beam rifle because you added that to the notes. And I, I had to like, Google it. I was like, wait, what is he talking about? I was like, yeah, it's a sniper rifle. Yeah, the covenant sniper. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember the last time I called it that. Uh, and then something we'll touch on just a little bit is that secret scarab gun, mm-hmm. which... It, it's crazy to think that that like the developers thought it would take users years to find. They found that in a month. Yeah, a month, which makes me wonder like how like because there are people out there who will get games and just try to break the map. So clearly they were just trying to break the map. Found this and had to go on a, some kind of forum, and someone's like, "No, you're lying." And then, sure enough, they found it too.
0: And that's that's what I wanted to bring up too. Are we past? Are our games polished enough? And this is totally off topic, but are games polished enough? That we we don't
1: have necessarily map breaking abilities like that anymore. Uh, I want to say that we can still break the map, but by all means, it's not like to find like an Easter egg. Like no yeah. no game is perfect, but you know I I think kind of that that legacy of like having to go on forums to find this kind of stuff out is dead. Because we even had someone on our Discord say, like, are you guys going to talk about that? Because I have, like, memories of, like, vague, shitty descriptions on forums. Mm-hmm. So I think kind of that era of gaming is, is dead for sure. Now we just have YouTube, YouTube walkthroughs. Tutorials. Yeah. Yeah. And also for for finally uh, the weapons, we had uh, some sentinel beams, uh, which was cool that we are seeing... The, the, at the time, you know, Forerunners were so ambiguous and so mysterious, and I loved that. So if we got just a little bit of technology from them, whether it was seeing a sentinel or using a sentinel beam to fight, I always loved that in the very beginning of Halo. So some other things that were new was uh, the game engine. They had the Quake engine, as well as they had a uh, physics engine called Havoc. And that changed the way that the vehicles worked, the projectiles worked. And the environment and how it was built. So, again, they weren't just doing a reskin of Combat Evolved. And as we had just talked about the past hour, uh, they had to rebuild this game like twice.
0: Yeah, and you can really see, like we talked about, just... Things they really wanted to put in there, but couldn't. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, and we're starting to see that. So also, some new things is that Halo 2 featured 21,090 lines of dialogue versus the 1,000 to 2,000 lines in Halo Combat Evolved. Now, granted, 21,090 is, like, not the official one. I've seen some that say 30,000 i've seen some that said 10,000 that's the one that i found that was a happy medium but significantly more than combat evolved regardless another thing i loved is halo 2 was the first game in the franchise to feature truly famous actors including ron perlman keith david julie benz david cross michelle rodriguez john michael higgins laura prepon kevin michael richardson and brian posen brian posen was also just in st louis recently just mm-hmm. so you all know i love that even martin O'Donnell himself lended his voice as jackals hunters and the flood and even martin O'Donnell's father bob O'Donnell, Bob-O-D. was <laughs> bob o was in the game uh in the very very beginning when you hear that that uh sang shayum uh say which is a prophet say nay it was heresy that was his father I didn't know that and I thought that was pretty fucking cool
0: I love development stuff like this because like you can picture Bungie and Halo 2 as like these top tier things but once Mm again go to the humanity thing let's just put our friends in it yeah, Let's put like some cool people in this. Yeah,
1: and as I said, Orlando Jones was also in this. So it was like cool to see that we're seeing these these A-list actors start coming in, especially when you have like Ron Perlman in there, like mm-hmm. you recognize him instantly. Keith Ho- David, he voiced pretty much everything. Yeah, and then even like he was he was in some of my uh, one of my favorite films, The Thing, and then you have uh, Orlando Jones in one of my favorite movies Growing Up, uh, Evolution. So it's like crazy, Ron Perlman, Hellboy, like seeing yeah. all these famous people uh, It's just like it was really cool that it started to become more of a cinematic thing. Exactly.
0: That's what I was just going to bring up. This is where you're getting into that cinematic movie universe of Mm -hmm. making a game. You're making a cinematic piece of Mm -hmm. active art.
1: Yeah, and As again... As to, like, passive when you're watching a movie. Mm-hmm, yeah, again, thank Joe Staten for this because he implemented a lot of this stuff, you know? And it was cool seeing how, like, it would be Joe and Marty in the studio, and, and Joe would, like, react to something. Like, Joe would explain how someone should sound in a paragraph, and then uh, Martin O'Donnell would, would just be like, act a little more excited, and they would just be like, okay. So it's you would see, like, uh, how much Joe was invested in this, and I think, like, truly, like seeing him talk about this game, there's such conviction behind everything he says and everything he wanted in the game. So definitely, like, those two alone, thank them for, like, these amazing scenes and music and everything we got. And we truly almost got a movie from this.
0: We did. I mean, if if you guys have the chance, look up the older YouTube clips of them putting the score together, mm-hmm. putting uh, the uh, actors in the booth to do sound yeah. recording. Just look at those things and just... It's so
1: cool to be in that moment, like a fly mm-hmm. on the wall stuff. Yeah, it it I that's why I love researching games because, uh, especially like these, because it's just seeing these documentaries about all this stuff. It's pretty damn cool. So now let's dive into one of the most legendary and iconic campaigns out there.
0: That's what Jesse says.
1: <laughs> hey, it, this is regarded as one of the best games. Of all time, and that means the campaign as well has to be one of the greatest campaigns of all time.
0: No, I agree. I'm just, I'm just messing around. I Halo 2, as I've said before, is probably my favorite game in the series, mm-hmm. followed e- by 3.
1: Especially when we did that uh, Meet the Host episode. It was very much like you had a lot of stories about Halo 2.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it was my childhood into middle school, into mm-hmm. you know high school type days of, of playing Halo Online, especially yeah. when we kind of talk about it that... This being a launch with like Xbox Live and and going with that, that yeah, it really really pushed for online multiplayer.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so let's let's go into it. And the campaign is kind of set up very uniquely. We had missions that really shouldn't have been a mission. It was yeah, just a cutscene. It, it was so so it's it's quote unquote fifteen chapters. It's more like seven or eight because it's like almost every mission is split up into two missions, yep. which. I didn't know for years until, like, I actually looked at the list one day and I was like, it's not 15 missions. I was like, oh, it's because Heretic is a quote-unquote mission, but it's a two-minute cutscene. So this is very odd. So, yeah, it starts out with Heretic. For failure such as this, no punishment is too great. And I love that we start out with we're at we're at uh, the Halo from Combat Evolved, and we see High Charity, this the main hub for the Covenant, and we see Vadam, which we don't know his name at the time. We see this character who uh, is on trial, and he's describing the events of Combat Evolved, and he's basically in trouble. Like mm-hmm. there's no way he's getting out of this. He let the sacred ring get destroyed, mm-hmm. and so again, this is that first time we see the Covenant side and something that people didn't like. I don't care. It's like, why are they talk? Why are they speaking English? It's like because it's it's a made up video game. That's why. Like clearly, they, they, the Covenant, it's said in the lore, they have their own language, but we yeah. the, the UNSC has translators. And and think of it this way. Think of let's say as we
0: in the world use English as a, um like the native language for business and travel. Yeah. They use it to communicate between all of the Covenant because they're all different species. Yeah.
1: Uh, Sure. So, yeah, like we're going to go with that. But no, it's really cool to see that he's basically uh, he's done for. They're going to strip him of his rank. He is no longer allowed to be a commander. Mm -hmm. And, quote, he will not be able to go on the great journey for his, quote, heresy. And this is the first time we see brutes as well. Yeah. So this
0: is, if you guys remember from reading First Strike, this is where the book left off.
1: Yeah, it literally says like, all right, let's deal with this guy. And we also see Tartarus that we see from First Strike, which mm-hmm. something I like about Tartarus is, you know, he's that big white brute, he looks different. They got his design from Stripe from the Gremlins. That makes sense. That you can yeah, see it. because yeah. they were literally like, how, how are we supposed to know that this guy's like head honcho? They're like, well, Stripe had a mohawk. Let's just give this guy a mohawk. <laughs> yeah. and, and it did kind of work because Tartarus is one of my favorite characters. So I, I really liked seeing that. Uh, this is one of the only one of only four levels with no gameplay. Again, it's a level, but it's really just a cut scene. It's kind of that weird thing. So then now we're also moving on to the armory, which is the quote-unquote second mission. Suit up, prepare for battle.
0: Yeah, so this, this is where you are going to finally take control uh, as Master Chief. Yeah. Uh, so you see Chief suiting up his new armor, um, and you're kind of coming to. So this is uh, Mark Six, I believe.
1: Yeah, if I, I, I can't remember off the top of my head. I believe it's mark six. Five or six. Sue us if we don't know. It's six. <laughs> I'm standing my ground. So it's so it's six,
0: and you have uh, the armory Gunnery is walking you around and kind of going through stuff, mm-hmm. and this is where he takes you with the shield generator, and he's like, hey, we got you the new upgraded shields. Mm-hmm. Upgrade, they recharge faster. So that's yep. kind of a little cue that gives you an idea on how the game goes. Uh-huh. and And so as the gunnery sergeant is finishing up with you johnson arrives on basically a monorail
1: yeah yeah which you know i love it's like he wonder he you see him dressed up in uniform uh white uniform with with all his medals and whatnot and then it's like of course it's like how did you make it off of that ring and it's like oh that's classified it's like well it was was
0: (laughs) such a good like little throwaway line Uh because because the gunnery sergeant's like how'd you make it back and he's like ah uh, there's some stuff I just can't talk about it's classified and then you yeah. see the guy get all pissed
1: off and, and so it's like, I'm
0: not gonna upgrade your scope and then the, <laughs> yeah. then you kind of ride this so it's like a monorail elevator uh-huh. basically
1: yeah and I like how, how uh, Johnson talks about Earth he's like I haven't seen it in years like it's really cool like the, again we start developing more of this character like this hard ass who like has a special place for seeing Earth and then he even talks about how like all the space stations war- didn't even exist when he first enlisted like, mm-hmm. he's like this is all just theories like and now look at it.
0: yeah it's really cool because you know he's in like in all his garb and the chief's going with him, and it's uh-huh. just this uh monorail just sequence for you it's just a rail sequence with you showing off how cool the space station is yeah And knowing they're on Earth, like it's setting the setting and showing you all these different space hubs and Mm -hmm. artillery batteries and Mac guns that are outside, Mm -hmm. like how well defended it is.
1: Yeah. And then so as this is going on, Chief goes and you find out that they're going to a ceremony for the work that happened on the Halo ring. Mm -hmm. And at the same time that, you know, everyone there is kind of getting these awards and medals We see the opposite end of the spectrum. We're starting to see this giant ceremony of, uh, you know, who will be the arbiter having his rank stripped from him and, you know, everyone calling him a heretic and whatnot. And so it's crazy to see just how the UNSC react to a victory versus how the Covenant react to a defeat. And, you know, the Arbiter is branded as a uh, as a traitor. He gets mm-hmm. a literal brand on his chest. Yeah. And we even hear that iconic line, like, uh, he says, if they came to hear me beg, they'll be disappointed. Like, so we're automatically learning about this character. He's kind of a badass. Like, he knows he screwed up, but that doesn't mean he's not going to have his head held high.
0: Yeah, and and cinematically, it's a beautiful shot because obviously uh, you get a juxtaposition. Yeah. But you're also seeing that... The Arbiter and the Chief aren't that different.
1: No, It's no. kind of that
0: classic, like, we're enemies, but we're not so different after mm-hmm. all. There's
1: not as much dichotomy as you would assume. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool to see that. But then, you know, in the midst of this, all of a sudden, a... Uh, well, let's back up a little bit. We we meet Miranda Keyes for the first time, mm-hmm. and she gets she gets a medal for her father. Yes. Her, and so, you know, you can see, like, she sniffles a little bit. She's sad. But then, in the midst of all this, the Covenant attack, which... We kind of knew what was was coming, but then, you know, even Lord Hood says, like, this is a relatively small fleet, which we kind of discuss later, mainly because Chief and Blue Team blew it up, but they couldn't necessarily make a reference to a book mm-hmm. that people didn't read. Yeah. But then, so, yeah, uh, then Chief says, you know, hey, I, I need a weapon, and then that's when we start the game.
0: Yeah, so, what- so, yeah, so the game of... Officially starts at that
1: point, uh-huh. and that's when we jump over to Cairo Station. Yeah, so again, a weird thing where the Armory, the Heretic, the Armory, and Cairo Station could have all been one level, but it was divided into three. So yeah, Cairo Station, defend the station's mat guns from the Covenant borders. And this is a kind of reminiscent. Again, we're going to see a lot of parallels between Combat Evolved and Halo Two. We're on a we're on a space station in space, and the Covenant come through a door and attack. So and and, it, yeah, it,
0: not, not a space station on. Ground, a space station in space. Space station. <laughs> but,
1: <laughs> but you know what I mean. It, it was so, this is the first time again. We, we uh, like uh, Combat Evolved, there's no jackals on this. First thing we see are elites and grunts. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and just so you guys know, we're not going to be walking you through every twist and turn of this. We're going to give you very general walkthroughs because y- you've played the game. You kind of know. We may say one or two things that might spark some nostalgia but by all means there are walkthroughs on youtube or just play the game yourself because it's a fucking great game but yeah so essentially uh we start to fight our way through the first wave of covenant and then throughout that as we're fighting through we see a space station off in the distance destroyed just mm-hmm. completely blows up which i like that the uh, developers said that a lot of people never noticed that originally like whenever did they they did the anniversary uh, edition, they had to like really emphasize that, which is crazy to me. Yeah, cause... I
0: mean, I saw it, but you know, I'm well, just d- being... well,
1: I'm not. Tr- uh, we're not trying to sound like those guys, but I mean, it was like hard not to notice that because everything blanks and all your other AIs are looking out the window. Well, and
0: especially because this is also the first time we see these kind of crazy like drop pods from the covenant that Uh kind of like suction cup to glass and like cut Mm -hmm. a hole through it and Mm -hmm. create their own atmosphere well
1: that and we didn't have as much like we in combat evolved we didn't have as much going on miles out in the distance i will say that we we didn't
0: have like really any cinematics that Mm -hmm. could happen on their own plane it had to kind of be all rendered within where
1: it was Mm -hmm. and then yeah apparently then then athens station is also destroyed and then i know at one point you make your way into a courtyard um and we will be talking about vaguely where you can find the skulls, but on top of the courtyard, you can find uh, the skull there next to Johnson's cigar.
0: Yeah, so we'll touch on this. Like like we said earlier, um, we're not going crazy in depth with all of this because if you guys wanted, you Google, you know, you Google skulls.
1: Yeah, and this would be a five hour, five or six hour episode <laughs> yeah. if we went into turn by turn of how to get the skulls, how to get this, you know. Which wh- uh,
0: if you guys just pay us enough money, I will gladly. ASMR read you where all of <laughs> the, the walks. They walk through the skulls. And going yeah. back just a little bit, there is also a skull on the armory. Uh, mm-hmm. And you get it when you're riding the train of the ceremony. Oh, you, yeah. You grab yeah, it yeah. from outside. Uh, yeah, yeah. Last thing for us to say about skulls, if you guys bitch about us for this, you can only get them on legendary.
1: They're all but one. all but, Okay. All but one. But yeah, either way, um that's why I don't get skulls because I don't play legendary because <laughs> I like having fun. I've had people shit on me for that before, legitimately, but. Uh, not my hill to die upon. Understandable. But yeah, and then eventually I like this is the first time you make your way outside of the station and you're in space yes. fighting elites outside, which is so cool. You see, like and technically it's space, so there should be zero noise, but you still it's like the noise is the <laughs> first thing you hear is these elites that have jetpacks. Yeah, and you <laughs> and you start firing and it's like it's like that's not actually how that it's, works. It's <laughs> at
2: least
0: muffled. Yeah, I'll yeah. Give them yeah, that. that
1: anytime you do space battles in Halo, it's always muffled. But that was. Is cool for the first time and like the stations kind of rocking up and down and back and forth uh so then what you know after that space battle you have to make your way back in and we see drones for the first time mm-hmm. you're going down that Little elevator and man i love drones but i hate them because especially if there's like more than three they suck and they're easy to go down. Like, that's the thing. They're easy to go down, but it's a strength in numbers kind of thing.
0: Yeah, and especially if you jump up to Legendary, which Jesse doesn't know about. Uh, <laughs> when you do get the strength in numbers thing, like, when you do a lot of them with plasma pistols or needlers, like, it's it's tough. But they are one of the, like, spongiest and easiest enemies of the game mm-hmm. besides yeah. to be able to fly around and kind of get to where they need to go. Yeah, if you have an
1: automatic weapon, it's... You just literally like a spray BR and pray. Or yeah, yeah, it's a spray and pray. But yeah, so we, we find out that the Covenant actually have a bomb on the space station. So we make our way into a room, kill all the Covenant, and then it goes into a cut scene of Chief turning off the bomb. And Cortana, you know, he asks, how much time do we have left? And Cortana says, you don't want to know. Seven seconds, by the way, just so you know. I remember when Alex and I last week, we met up to do this playthrough. I kept throwing these facts in <laughs> there with Alex just trying to play the game. But yeah, so then we get one of the coolest cutscenes in Halo history. Master Chief asked uh, Lord Hood, like, hey, permission to leave the station. He says, for what purpose? He says, to give the Covenant back their bomb. So he just says, granted. And we see Chief drag the bomb to uh to a, to an airlock, opens the airlock and then rides the bomb into a covenant ship in space, start the bomb and then through an exploded UNSC yeah, carrier. Yeah. And then it, and then kicks off the bomb, it explodes, destroys this Covenant carrier, and he lands back on the ship. Hands down, one of the coolest things ever. I think every one of us who were 10 or 12 or 14 just pooped when we saw that (laughs) just laid a dookie right there on the floor but here's the thing though originally the
0: bomb you deliver back to the covenant was going to be strapped in a trailer that was attached to a warthog driven across the space station in an open zero g environment i don't know that does sound pretty cool that sounds cool but also like
1: almost like Mario Kart esque it's like okay we're pulling from vice <laughs> throws city a, throws a banana <laughs> like what can we get from Mario Kart at this point let's borrow some elements no yeah and then uh it was it was really cool to uh like see like things how I was supposed to go um and then in that room with the bomb there is actually a marine hiding if you kill everyone and you don't go over to that bomb there's just a marine just chilling like no nah, I'm good <laughs> but yeah, so then now we have the next mission: outskirts, which is rally scattered marines, clear hostile contacts from the old city. Now, uh, in the very beginning, Cortana says that the Covenant keeps seeing or saying regret, regret, regret. And then that's when Johnson says like that like, Dear alien bastards, we regret that we <laughs> you know, like that that hilarious hilarious like uh, comedic relief. But you know, then we find out it's like actually one of the prophets. And so as these, these pelicans are making away way in the city, this is where we see the scarab for the first time, and he shoots down two of the the pelicans, mm-hmm. yours included, and like you kind of come to and you're crashed in the city, and it's like, Well, now we have to make our way through the city, and that's how the, the mission starts essentially.
0: Yeah, and it starts with Somehow, most all the Marines and Johnson and you have survived. As compared to Combat Evolved, when you
1: guys go down, everyone's dead.
0: <laughs> yeah. So you kind of come to wake up, uh, exploded, kind of in a building. There's rubble around, mm-hmm. and everyone's kind of gra- getting up, grabbing a gun. Johnson's rallying you. And so the Covenant's kind of taken over the city already. So you make your way out. You punch a grunt in the face, pretty much, uh, and make your way out to this courtyard. And right around here and kind of where you came from is where you can find the Blind
1: Skull. Yeah, so if you're a skull hunter... There's my walkthrough. Yeah, there's There's, there's, <laughs> there's your detailed walkthrough. walkthrough. It's there. And then uh, we. This is one of like uh, one of the first scenes where people really started paying attention to the campaign is whenever uh, you're in that giant courtyard area and you have to hold off waves of covenant. and You see the UNSC you know, turret gun, mounted turret gun for the first time. And then that's when the uh, we see those the hunters for the first time in the campaign Mm -hmm. breakthrough, and of course, like, if you're on any difficulty but legendary, you can just shoot at them until they die. Basically, that whole time, you can just spend on that turret gun and Yeah, a turn on the
0: corner on the second floor.
1: Yeah, and then after that, you make your way to the beach, and after fighting off some Covenant, we get a Warthog, or I think you can get a Ghost, but... You know, this is the first time we start seeing, like, some, some really cool water features in the game, and we're driving throughout the beach, and we're starting to see these Covenant turrets and all these places that they're set up and seeing their real presence on Earth, finally.
0: Yeah, seeing that as you go along kind of this dock area, I guess is the best way to kind of yeah. describe it you see that all these covenant are starting to get these little encampments uh-huh. and this is also where we first see elite drop pods
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah uh i think and we before that we run into the uh the jackal snipers correct the legendary jackal snipers that basically not me but ruin your day <laughs> <laughs> no me i'm great yeah you you see them when you I believe you might fight
0: some in the courtyard. If you don't, mm-hmm. the first you see is once you go through the doors, you kill the hunters in. Yeah, uh, and round a corner, you see like a little group of dead marines, and then down the way is mm-hmm. like this little encampment of snipers.
1: Yeah, uh, and eventually this is there where now we we find ourselves in those tunnels. And uh, I remember when we were doing this pl- this game through. You were just like, and I put this in the notes. You're just like, this is an hour of driving because mm-hmm. like you had to th- realize that the, de- the developers were trying to make this campaign as long as possible like let's just make this really long route with zero enemies
0: well and typically we were we were kind of speed running this a bit just to go through and see the environment uh-huh. there are little skirmishes you can join with like uh-huh. kind of roadblocks but if you have
1: a ghost you can just speed through everything mm-hmm, yeah and i like at this point this is where cortana says in the comms like i don't think the covenant realizes this was our home world like they mm-hmm. didn't even expect mm-hmm. us to be here that's why the fleet was so small and then we make it out of the tunnels. And, you know, that's the end of the mission, which it's oddly enough goes, it should have been combined with the next one. But uh, I, I like that developers did base this level off of of actual photographs of Mombasa. Like, mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. They were like, they weren't trying to make it look like overly futuristic. Like, how, how is this going to look in 500 years? Probably the same.
0: Yeah. And, and it just took over some, like, the reality of, yeah, there's probably improved things. But most mm-hmm. places, things kind of stay the same. I mean, look at Europe. Yeah, and most buildings are hundreds of years old. Mm-hmm. It's kind of all stayed there. Uh, one thing I just wanted to kind of bring up was this was kind of the first level for me that you could really experience game breaking mm-hmm. and going out of level. So, when you're in that courtyard area, this is the first kind of area for me as a child and kind of bringing it back that I remember mm-hmm. you could do grenade jumps, which was oh, basically, yeah. uh, basically using uh, damage jumping or d jumping. Where you can throw a grenade, jump at the peak, and when you're at your peak, that grenade will go off and damage boost you. Yeah. And you can use that to get extra height, extra speed on certain areas. Uh, Same thing with rocket jumping and things like that. But you're able to get out of the map at certain areas and walk on the rooftops and kind of skip portions of the map. Yeah. That was one really cool thing as a kid, like I said, coming up from school. Let's play Halo. Let's play the campaign for the 400th time. Oh, I can do that? Let's break
1: the game. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Sweet. (laughs) So now we have the next mission, Metropolis, which is take the bridge, break the Covenant's grip on the city center. So this is where we see uh this this scarab making its way down and this marine is trying to flee, but Johnson says no and he drops off a a uh, scorpion tank. First time we see it in the campaign. And depending on the difficulty that you play, he gives like four different speeches, mm. which I really like things like little things that they did uh with that. But so you get in the scorpion tank and you just make your way through this again very long bridge. This time there is a lot of opposition though, so it makes it a little more entertaining. Uh, After we make it over the bridge, we make our way back down into uh, more tunnels, basically. Uh, And there's a lot more opposition in those tunnels, too, and even opportunities you have to actually get off of your vehicle and make your way through some areas.
0: Yeah. So as you're going across the bridge, this is also the first time we see Wraith Tanks Uh and Banshees. Yep. So the Covenant is kind of throwing everything they can at you going across this bridge, which is just Mm -hmm. kind of a fun campaign thing if you're in the Scorpion. You pretty much have to kill it if you happen to just shoot out a ghost, like I always do. You just ride the ghost all the way through and don't do anything. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you go back into the tunnels because you're now from the mission before where you had this like active cutscene where a warthog flies through a hole yeah. and, gets scor- and gets scarabed. You're now on top of that, yeah, and you're driving on the highway. That and you're you driving see, under. you see
1: that hole. Mm-hmm. I, I like your scarabbed, by the way. I made that a verb. Yeah, scarabbed. Like yeah, uh, and so actually, when you make your way out of the the tunnel in that courtyard area, you can find uh, the catch, catch skull, skull on top of that structure. There's yep. a Detailed walkthrough. Uh, so hashtag detailed walkthrough.
0: So as you exit, of course, you get the catch skull from our amazing walkthrough. <laughs> And uh, you now regroup with some marines. So there's a warthog out there, and there's soon to be more warthogs if they make it through. And you make your way around this kind of L bend that's kind of a side street. Mm -hmm. And it opens up to a main courtyard with this walking bridge and various other elements with a couple of jackal snipers on top of those and a couple wraith tanks that are kind of they're mm-hmm. impeding your path, and
1: you have to kill them to get to where you have to go because there's Marines held up in a building at the end of this corridor. We get the uh, gosh though, so that makes this kind yes. of a really fun actual battle and whatnot. And, but, you know, by the end of that, you get in this building, and once you get to the second floor, we see the scarab come in once again, take out a scorpion, and just go on top of the it building. it climbs,
0: like, right over where you yeah, are. Yeah,
1: even though it's so weird to me that in the scene before, it walks through a building, and now it's walking... Over a building, I mean, come on, Bungie, we're gonna we're gonna point <laughs> stuff out like this. No, but really, and so you you make your way up in the building again, and this is when you you jump on top of the scarab, which is a fun, always a fun scene, and it's, and it's a fun realization
0: because for first time players, they give you rockets and snipers and uh, battle rifle and everything else, so you assume I gotta shoot it. I shoot everything else, and it blows up, uh-huh. and then you kind of come to that realization that oh, these bridges for me to jump on it. And Mm -hmm. realize that you
1: can take this stuff down. Yeah, and you have to go and blow it up from the inside out. And now, once you kill everyone, it never actually shows you... Destroying it for Uh, this. Yeah, and then we go into a cutscene where then Chief walks off of it like a badass, and then we see the Covenant trying to flee, and Amberclad then uh, follows them in, and then we see like the quote-unquote quote destruction of New Mombasa. Of course, Halo 3 ODST, we learn that's not the case. But it's really cool to see all that happening. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, we had someone on our Discord like ask, at least we touch on the Scarab Gun, which I had it in the notes. Basically, the Scarab Gun is located on top of the bridge that connects the two skyscrapers, and it takes patience, time, and glitches to get it. Hashtag finish the fight walkthrough. <laughs> and then, yeah, also an interesting thing about the inside of the scarab that that we discovered, which is that uh, if you shoot a sniper in there, it just deflects. So you'll see like seven or eight points that it yeah, goes off of, and it pretty much deflects till it strikes something. Like it definitely has a
0: vanishing point, but pretty much at that time, you've already hit an elite that's in there or uh-huh. some little grunt or whatever you got going on
1: mm-hmm. yeah and so now we move on to the next mission which is the arbiter we see Broodstragging dragging Thel, and they never say his name in the game oddly enough but we see this character this this uh, old this stripped elite and so they're dragging him and we find him in the mausoleum of the arbiters with the prophets which is cool or automatically starting to see a little more lore in the game and it's always cool to see that stuff in the game versus mm-hmm. the books and we find out that basically they're saying like listen you're not really a heretic, you just kind of screwed up. Become the Arbiter and take out this heretic leader. So, of course, he dons the helmet and said, what would you have your Arbiter do? In the next scene, we meet Halfjaw for yeah. the first time, him and his men, and he's giving them that badass speech about the Covenant Oath, you know, fighting until their dying breath. And we see Halfjaw and the Arbiter kind of, at first, not like each other. You know, Halfjaw says, I only care about them. I don't care about you. And then mm-hmm. he says, well, that makes two of us. And you kinda it's like you see that tension, but it's kind of like that respect of like, ooh, that was a good one. Yeah. And so this is where we
0: start the mission for. It. Like officially after the cutscenes are done and we've taken our shriveled raisin and put some armor on them. Mm-hmm. And so you jump out and you've taken control of the arbiter for the first time. Yeah. So this is your first feel of the Basically what I want to call it, the orange world mm-hmm. that we are now in yeah. to find the heretic leader. Yeah. And you start off with this little company of grunts and elites, and you're making your way through. And this is also where, instead
1: of just having a flashlight as your tool, you get active camo. Yeah. It, it's really cool to see. But, of course, they even say, like, oh, well, you have old armor, so it won't last as long as ours. And you're, <laughs> yeah. you're instantly, like, fucking cool. Cool. Well, <laughs> thanks, thanks for making this a game mechanic. I, I, <laughs> I do like though that you start off with a sword. Like yep. the say like you're like, whoa, whoa, I I get this. This is mine? Like, hell yeah. And so we make our way into this this forerunner structure And we start fighting the heretics, which I like is that they're different. Um, They at least have, like, you're fighting grunts and elites, but they have completely different armor. But you did say that depending on, like, the difficulty, it's kind of hard because it's just bullets flying everywhere Mm -hmm. and you're just trying to shoot at whatever. But, yeah, but at least with this, they changed it
0: enough that they almost have, like, insect-like looking armor. That's my best way to describe Mm -hmm. it. It's just, like, very robust and pointy and mm-hmm.
1: it's, it's like yellow too and yeah. it's all the same color scheme but yeah so you you eventually start fighting i like that we see a, a serif for the first time which we won't see again until halo reach but it was cool we see like just a serif in this room and we're continually fighting these heretics and we're going throughout the structure we're starting to see more taste of the forerunner stuff which is always cool to see And then uh, we start finally trying to chase down the heretic uh, leader. And that's where we kind of see a uh, we see a hologram at one point pop up and you Mm -hmm. think it's the actual guy. And so he's just saying, you know, okay, well, I'm not coming out. So peace, guys. And I like that eventually we have to get into this uh, this Banshee in order to chase him. And of course, even the Banshees themselves are like, quote, Heretic banshees, which yeah. I like those designs, and you do this very long, like not sp- kind of space battle. And I even put in the notes: this is where we hear that uh, that goofy Incubus song. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that, that, that top quality, uh, yeah. And and so so you kind of take over this fight,
0: and you are chasing them down, and you're basically following the dropship that you had. You're kind of protecting yeah. it and going around. Now, the one big thing to note is that at the bottom of the structure. Where you get your Heretic Banshee is where you find the Grunt birthday party skull.
1: Yeah, such a, that 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 sound in the confetti. Yay! Yay! Like, such that that is probably the best thing to come from Halo 2. Yeah, it's probably if, it's, if anything, it's probably the only good thing to come from Halo, period.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so that's that, that's our hashtag, Finish Flight Walkthrough. Yeah. And uh, so so you fly around, and it's basic, it's a basic escort mission. You, mm-hmm. you fly around, you shoot some banshees, you shoot some grunts mm-hmm. with uh, some furrowed cannons that are on little
1: platforms until you make your way to another very similar looking door. Yeah, wash runs, repeat. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you f- you you find a heretic leader, but he shields himself behind a door and he's like, this storm, because there's a storm going on, he's like, this storm's going to kill you, I'm going to be fine, and kind of the mission ends there. Uh, something I want to say, like two little talking points about this mission is originally this whole thing was supposed to take place on a moon. And all these heretics were supposed to be hunters, including their leader. Oh, that's pretty cool. Oh, there's one other fact with this, too, that I I really
0: liked when I was looking it up. Uh, So the entire environment for it, Mm -hmm. basically what they did was they took a bunch of bags of Cheetos and mashed up the Cheetos and just threw dust. (laughs) Because
1: that's what the entire environment looks like. I, I will say in the anniversary edition, it does get a lot more vibrant. But, yeah, it's a very odd putting color it's it's,
0: it's, it seems like they tried to have a mining facility at like jupiter
1: something like that yeah Yeah. but you know so the next mission the oracle kill the heretic leader the prophets will be done and so i like that essentially um they make their way into this structure and half jaw kind of notes like i smell something that i recognize which will be will get kind of touched on in our next episode graphic novel But uh, the second we make our way in, it's just like very blatant that it's like, oh, shit, we're about to deal with flood because you see little tadpoles in this thing, you see Mm -hmm. some green muck or whatever on the wall. So instantly we make our way through the structure and we see like someone fighting in the glass underneath us and we make our way into a room and uh, the heretic leader pops up in a hologram. And he's like flattered that the prophet sent an arbiter to kill him. And then next thing you know, and then the flood come in. And it's the first time we see them in Halo 2.
0: Yeah, so so obviously with that familiar smell and the flood happening, it's a whole nother deal to deal with with the flood again.
1: Yeah, and this time again it's not as eerie because we've seen them before. It's still cool, but it's like almost like why are why are they back now? Yeah, it definitely it definitely draws your attention to it because mm-hmm. for some I know for some
0: when we're reading the original things, it's just kinda like this was a reskinned CE. Yeah. And you can kind of see in like different parts of this for it. The, those parallels and whatnot. Yeah. So so once that hologram disappears mm-hmm. from when him saying that stuff, the the flood come out and attack. Yeah. Now in this same room, you can find the famine skull. Yep. And so basically what you have to do is grenade jump on top of a platform and then jump onto another platform and then you get the skull hashtag finish the fight walkthrough. If you guys just follow that
1: detail, you will get the Famine Skull. It's pretty damn detailed. But yeah, yeah, of course, you have to defeat them and you get on an elevator. And this is such a long scene. Like... And I will say this, and Alex and I both kind of agreed. For the most part, the Arbiter levels weren't that fun. They were very slow and repetitive. And I know this probably boiled
0: down to a lot of development cycle. Mm -hmm. And so in Halo 2, there's a lot of rail missions.
1: With the the Arbiter specifically.
0: Yeah, and you're basically riding either gondolas or forerunner elevators or whatever it is Uh to... Kill time in an essence, but also to like bring longevity to the mm-hmm. level. Because yeah. on that one, you're riding this forerunner elevator gondola mm-hmm. with your elite brothers with some swords and some plasma weapons, and you see the flood is standing on some platforms above you. They jump down, yeah. they come through a bottom port. And it's wave defense, I guess you would say, until
1: you make your way to a docking station. Wash, rinse, repeat. But long story short, then you you find yourself in this room, and you go to chase down the uh, the heretic, and he hides from you. Mm-hmm. And so you say, "Okay, I'm going to cut the wires to this station." He says, "Everyone, get out! I'm going to cut the wires to the station and and make sure the covenant." or the the heretic leader gets out. That's basically what you do. You find your way up this station, you take a sword, and you just... Yeah, because he locks himself away again, right? Yeah, Mm -hmm. and so he's like, well, he's not going to stay on here. So you fight your way through heretics along with sentinels, along with Flood, and you cut these wires, and of course the guy now has to escape. So... And this was so weird. You get in a banshee just to go literally like 50 feet, Mm -hmm. and then you get in a room and that's where a cutscene comes in, and you know, the heretic leader, we finally meet up with the heretic leader face to face, no walls or doors in between us. And he says, You know, I'd rather die by your hands than whatever the prophets would have me do. And, you know, it, the arbiter's kind of curious about who's telling him like all these quote unquote lies. And then we see 343 guilty spark maker return. Mm-hmm. And you're instantly like, Huh, where'd this guy come from? But before we can get any more exposition, the heretic leader attacks the arbiter. He sends out these two holograms of himself, but then you take those two out and then you kill him.
2: Yeah,
0: so so this is technically our first boss battle.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. So We had three actually, but I said two earlier. But yeah, we had three, and it was it was kind of it was different for the series. Um, but then yeah, once you kill him, it goes back to a cutscene, and you see three, four, three guilty spark is like disappointed, and he's like, eh, "That guy was fun. He had questions." And, yeah. Then Tartarus comes in and uses his hammer, the Fist of Rookt, to z- suck in, like, through electricity, sucks in <laughs> and sucks in 343, three, Guilty Spark. And you see how the Arbiter's kind of, like, shocked that they treating him like this. And Tartarus literally just doesn't care, just, like, throws him up to the Phantom. And then it's like, all right, let's get out of here. Yeah. And that's the end of that level, which we'll have a handful more of Arbiter levels before it's all said and done. But, yeah, that one was definitely um, a different pace for the halo franchise thus far um as i said like when it came down to arbiter missions they weren't that fun but no we'll talk more about it it. i would say that is probably my least favorite one
0: the environment was so drab and -hmm. i think it's for me like i love color and stuff so like any of the missions that are like on vibrant green parts of earth or on yeah as we get to it are just really interesting. Mm -hmm. And with that being like a weird factory setting of just
2: oranges and browns, I was like, "Eh." yeah.
1: So yeah, now we move on to Delta Halo. A Covenant army stands between you and regret get to work so it starts that you know they come out of the UNSC come out of slip space and we see another Halo ring which surprises you know we didn't know that there was more than one so after a little bit of exposition we see and I love this Master Chief drop down with ODST onto the ring like Mm -hmm. I think that's so cool like he you know there's that tension between them but it's like hey at the end of the day we have a job to do so we get down and we land on the beach and then we start to fight off more Covenant Surprise, surprise yep but eventually you do after you kill all them a pelican drops down and you get a warthog yeah and so going back
0: just a little bit this is also where you're gonna see the rocket launcher for the first time
1: oh yeah it so is.
0: so you drop in with your rocket launcher because you're trying to it's basically this is the smallest version of the d-day invasion for halo cause, yeah because you're at the bottom and you're making your way up and we this is where we also see the new and improved Covenant turrets that have mounted shields. You yeah. sit on them, and you can actually lock onto them. So it's the first part where you see the lock on. Yeah, definitely like be able to like showcase that feature. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so then you finish the wave defense, you get that warthog drop, and you start to make your way through the valley.
1: Yeah, and you kind of make your way eventually to a uh, this kind of structure that has a bridge on it. Like you pull up right as you see the bridge coming up, so then you have to take you have to take everyone out and the bridge has to come back down. But then at that point we get a scorpion. Like the UNSC came prepared this time. They're like, no, no, no. have a scorpion now so then we get on that and this is one of those things where it's like a very long environment of just making your way through these and i like that it's these ancient forerunner structures i think that's really cool so i love this portion of it because you get that scorpion you destroy
0: that wraith that's across and you just go on this murderous killing spree through these different Halo structures that are kind mm-hmm. of temple-like, and that's kind yeah. of what brings it back to that Mayan aztec of mm-hmm. it.
1: Yeah, it's a different take than what we see in Combat of All.
0: Exactly, so they take it a little differently. It's a different Halo, so they mm-hmm. might have had a different aesthetic at that point. Yeah. and you Different make, designer, you know, yeah, different, different era. <laughs> different era of design. You know it is. It's their expressionism. <laughs> and uh, so you make your way through, you do all these little firefights, and then you eventually have to go on foot and leave your Scorpion behind, but once you do this, if you kill all the enemies in the area... There'll be a little marine drop they'll come in and you make your way into this main structure mm-hmm.
1: yeah and then that's where you see, you see these honor guards for the first time and you have to kill them and once you do that it goes to cutscene uh well that's actually technically the end of the mission which uh something about this mission that that surprised me is that Bungie was skeptical about putting odst in this mission because they're like they're not gonna know who these guys are but I think like f- fans very early I was like oh, oh those are ODST. that's cool. that's awesome like
0: yeah, yeah, it's a whole different armor structure, a whole different like feel mm-hmm. to it, and like and and dropping as well, and, and like, actually getting the
2: orbital drop. Yeah.
0: Uh. So the next one. So is... going back just a little bit. Oh, yeah? uh, for our hashtag uh, finish the fight. Authors, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh. So whenever you're driving that Scorpion through the structure, there's a portion where you come apart of some really cool Aztec parts of it.
2: Mm-hmm. They're cooler
0: re- than the usual. They're cooler than the usual. So you jump out to really take a peek at it. You're like, uh-huh. "This is really nice. I like this esthetic They're going on, and you go. What's that up there?
1: (laughs) Is that is that the envy skull? I, I think just this I, where you like there's some like invisible elites here, correct? Yeah. yeah. And uh yeah, you, you get it there. Hashtag detailed yeah. walkthrough. Yeah,
0: you basically do a grenade jump up and it is their hashtag walkthrough.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so then the next scene we see that there's this hologram of regret and Cortana explains like he's getting he's one to light this ring. Like we have to go kill him. So then after that, uh Covenant make their way in, and then we have to fight them off. And this is uh this is like one of the first times as we make our way out we have to get on those uh, those gondolas correct or no we we almost go That's, like backwards so on that, that, it's a little farther in yeah. so to start it off you start with two marines
0: mm-hmm. who were supposed to be from that drop ship from the mission mm-hmm. before cuz this is quote unquote a new mission
1: when it's the same mission yeah
0: so you have some buggers drop in, murder them. And if you're quick enough, you can actually skip those and go yeah. outside and watch an elite spawn in and just kill him as he spawns. <laughs> so I do that every time. So, hashtag walkthrough. So whenever you walk out, you kill your spawning uh, elite friend, there's that broken bridge for uh-huh. the platform. And you can grenade jump your way over there, grenade jump on top, and then if you go to the right of it,
2: mm-hmm.
0: where there was a sniper jackal, you can go into this room as pitch black. If you go... There's another doorway that you can't go to, but if you go on the side of it, on the right side, mm-hmm. you look up in the corner, and you shine your light, and it says, hi, Ben. Ah, it's Breaking little, Benjamin. Yeah, it's a little nod from the developers, like thanking them for being on the, the yeah, track for it, it, and it and for helping out.
1: And we'll talk about their involvement, which was pretty cool uh, once we get to the music section But, yeah, yeah, this is where you kind of start. Like, this mission is almost like two things you do in a row. It's a little lengthier, but you make your way out, fight your way, meet up with more Marines or, like, those quote-unquote same Marines. Uh, And then you find yourself on the the gondola now, which is a very, again, long, slow thing, and you just ride across to another structure. Yeah, because one thing they really pushed in this game was wave enemies. Uh, So right before
0: the gondola... You fight off a couple elites with carbines and a couple jackals with sniper rifles. Mm -hmm. And then the Covenant drops some hunters right in your position. So while you're fending that off, uh, Pelican drops off. And this is the first time I think we see... Uh, weapon drop offs.
1: Mm-hmm. There are no, we said we saw them a little earlier in the previous mission, but this is the first time oh, I, in yeah, general yeah. that we're starting to really see that. Yeah, so they really should cool. drop
0: them off for you, and then you'll have it later on the other gondola.
1: This is a double gondola action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then you go on this gondola, you go into this structure, make your way through, and this is the first time we see like that underwater elevator kind yeah. of thing. And then again, it's like you you do this all over again, essentially. Because then you you get out and you you get back on a or you you find yourself in another water elevator. You get back out again, ride on another gondola, and then that's when you make your way inside the structure to fight regret mm-hmm. and this is our second boss battle this one's way easier you just hop on top of them and punch him in the face like three times and then everyone gets pissed
2: yeah
0: it, it, it is tough if you're not jesse and you actually plan on decent difficulty um because this is where we see like the elite honor guards so there's still elite honor guards at this point and most if not all of them have swords mm-hmm. and at normal and above it's a one-hit kill and mm, well <laughs> and they're also they're also a little beefier just in health wise and things like that. Plus they have grunts and jekels there to help them with that. Yeah. So yes, the boss fight in of itself is kind of jokey. It's mm-hmm. kind of like a take your frustration out. It's kind of like having a stress ball.
1: Yeah, essentially. But yeah, he goes down pretty easily and then you make your way out of the structure and we see the largest covenant armada that anyone has ever seen approach Mm -hmm. and they start attacking the base you're on and you jump off into the water and then this is where all of a sudden you start sinking and we see these tentacles come up and they grab master chief and they say that line this is not your grave but you are welcome in it and they drag him down and instantly you're just like what 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 was that? What just happened? So I really loved that that creepy thing that went on. Mm-hmm. Now, this mission mirrors what the silent cartographer was originally supposed to be. It was supposed to be you you drop on the shipping, you go and you kill a prophet, but due to time crunches, they could never do that. So we got something that was told in this game that, that they wanted to tell in CE. Mm-hmm. So now let's move on to the sacred icon, our technically third mission with the Arbiter. And uh, now we find out that, you know, a prophet has just died. And so the brutes are taking over as the honor guards. And we see Halfjaw telling the prophets, like, this isn't OK. And we learn that the the elites are potentially going to leave the high council. And so then they say the prophets to the Arbor to say, OK, listen. We need to get the sacred icon so we can activate this ring and we can all off ourselves. And so Mm -hmm. that's when the Arbiter also learns that the Master Chief is on the ring and he kind of wants a little payback. But he says, you know, "Eh, getting getting this sacred icon is my only concern. Yeah. But then at that point, uh, he gets dropped off and we see that Enforcer Sentinel for the first time. This is
0: a new enemy that we're seeing, which is just a. I like the design of it. I thought it was I I liked it a
1: lot, too, with those two shields in the front, those two arms. Two
0: grabby arms for vehicles, shoots out missiles and stuff. Yeah,
1: but he goes to attack the Arbiter, but then Tartarus fends him off, you know, and says, like, go get the Icon, we'll Mm -hmm. worry about this. And, again, you want to talk about a really wash, rinse, repeat level. This is a very, again, long, drawn-out level of just going down these, like, pistons and whatnot. I mean, this is basically what chief didn't see yeah this it, it, is this is assault al- on the control assaulting room. control room it's almost identical yeah and it's just going through and there's not a lot of stuff that's really different like for this section in the notes, it's mainly describing the, the cool cutscenes. not even so much the gameplay, but you do eventually find yourself taking on a Enforcer Sentinel head on, and that's always like a fun, I guess it's also kind of a boss battle, and there's a lot more boss battle, like kind of, not kind really. Kind of, you don't have to fight it though. You don't?
0: Nope. Can you just run past it? Yeah. Oh, uh, well, you know what? I definitely, like, in, in a casual playthrough- You just run past it? No, I play it, but like when I was speedrunning it the other day to go through, I was like, do I actually have to sit here and fight this? And I just turned around. And I go, oh, I should go through that thing.
1: And you just went through the, I just thing? Went
0: through the thing. And uh, so, so yeah, but this it's really cool because this is the first time that like, and you're given the firepower to it because I believe with the flood being there, you find like fallen rocket launchers uh-huh. and other heavy weaponry to fight it, uh, which makes it really cool. But if you do or don't fight it, you then do the same thing you've been doing. You find one of the little shafts you have to like either shoot or just hold the reload button on to activate, yeah. and you just
1: jump in. Yeah, uh, it's pretty straightforward. At, at this point, we're starting to actually now make our way into more flood-infected areas as well. Mm-hmm. We're starting to see, even before we saw that enforcer, it's like, okay, the flood are kind of really outbreaking on this ring Not a good sign uh, because we're dealing with this once again. Uh, But then in in one of the rooms, and I can't, uh, by all means, I can't remember which room. In one of the rooms, you'll find the mythic skull. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Detailed walkthrough, people. Detailed walkthrough. Hashtag finish the fight walkthrough. It's 2019. You have YouTube. You spend more time on YouTube than (laughs) you do anything else. I know I do. So I may or may not have used YouTube as a source for this. A very old video, mind you. (laughs) But yeah, and then I like you also start hearing UNSC comms of soldiers fighting the Flood. This whole level, you're making your way to the bottom of this structure, and you start to see the full force of the battle between the Flood and the Sentinels as you make your way outside. And finally, you fight your way through more Flood and hold an LZ with a group of elites, and that's the end of the mission. Now, Again, this should just be merged with the next mission, but it's quote-unquote two different missions. I don't know why. As we said, this mission really holds some similarities with Assault on the Control Room, and this is only one of two missions where you see blue sentinel beams. But let's move on to the Quarantine Zone. Parasites, humans, no matter what, the icon must be found. So I like that again, we meet up with Halfjaw and he gives some kind of badass speech because I think he's a cool warrior, but I think they're like, we need a character that just gives you badass speeches and that's Halfjaw.
0: So as we get these reinforcements in and he gives this really cool speech and it's like we said, with a lot of these missions, it's basically the halfway point of what would be a regular mission, Yeah, but it's the second part of it. You're lying to us, Bungie. Lying to us. So... You hop on to a specter, and you fight your way through the flood. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the really cool aspects I did like about this, was you're going through, it reminds me of kind of some of the final level, like the final level in CE when you're just driving through. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit of that, because you have all this hectic chaos of these different flood fighting sentinels and going through, and you're seeing that the flood are actually piloting, Covenant and human UNSC vehicles.
1: Yeah, it's really crazy because it's like you know we kind of know that when the flood infects anything, they they get their memories and how to fire their mm-hmm. weapons or pilot their vehicles. So this is really mainly a kind of like vehicle heavy mission for the yep. most part. Uh, we even see that these Enforcer Sentinels can actually pick up your vehicle and destroy it, and it kills you instantly. Fun fact, yeah, like what you didn't
0: know. Yeah, and and I think one of the things I really love is. Really pay attention to the flood driving the ghosts because they're basically just like standing. They're like it's like they're trying to drive like a mini cooper, but they're too big. <laughs> so they're like standing on the outside of it holding it. And incredible. Look, and it, it's and it, it makes sense because mm-hmm. if you saw a player model of a flood just sitting like a regular like person with like hands at 10 and 2 piloting mm-hmm. this ghost, it looked goofy. So like having them like menacingly
1: like Standing yeah, over it, right, right like a scooter, mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, detailed walkthrough. And one of these very open, flood infected areas, you'll find the Spudnik skull on a ledge. Fun fact oh, 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 oh. it's that one ledge. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that one ledge. Yeah, yep. you know it. That you, you, one. If you're a fan, you know which ledge. You know we're that ledge. It's that Google ledge. It's that good ledge. Yeah. That good, good ledge. <laughs> but then we meet back up with Halfjaw and we see humans start making their way towards the icon. So Halfjaw says, "You know, I'm gonna stay behind. Go get it." So mm-hmm. we have to ride, uh, like one of those platforms or gondolas again. Very long waiting. So it's basically thing. the same kind of thing we just rode last time. Yeah,
0: fighting off flood.
1: Yeah, and so eventually you make your way, uh, into the structure and. And you're, you ride with fellow elites. Then you kind of like similar to the library in Halo Combat mm-hmm. Evolved. The structure, because it is a, a library. So then we cut to a cutscene of Miranda going and retrieving the icon herself. And then her and Johnson come for the other Marines. And then no, no one's there. So then you see the arbiter come take out johnson right before you know he slams him and johnson says how you doing Mm (laughs) because it's johnson and then he, he right as he goes to take out miranda you then see tartarus kind of zap her and grab her and grab the index and so the arbiter's kind of confused he's like oh the index is in my control and he says nope not anymore we're taking over and then basically says uh we're gonna wipe all the elites out now and The Arbiter thinks that this is some kind of betrayal, and he's like, oh, the prophets are going to have your head for this. And he's like, they ordered me to do it, and then shoots him down a hole. Mm -hmm. And right then, that's the twist that I think where it's like, oh, shit. Like, I thought that was pretty crazy. Now, something cool about this mission is that uh, originally Sentinels were supposed to be equipped with needlers and, like, kind of other various weapons. All of them were taken out of the campaign but one. I couldn't find where the location of this supposed oh. needler sentinel is but there's one out there maybe that's a lie just to screw with people and have them look for it but then distance wise this is the longest level in the original trilogy because you know you're riding all these vehicles and these these platforms and then uh as i said before this is the only mission where we're seeing flood driving uh, player drivable vehicles awkwardly <laughs>
0: <laughs> which which i i really enjoyed i'm glad they put it in and really pushed kept pushing the lore of it Yeah, that like you said, like they they actually inherited the mind of their host and could realize what they had to do.
1: Yeah. And so now we go to the next mission, which is grave mind. The prophets have the index and plan to use it. Over your dead body. And this is the first time we see the grave mind. And he has chief and arbiter. And he shows to both of them because he has Penitent Tangent, who is the monitor of that installation, along with the prophet of regret that just got killed. And he's trying to explain to the arbiter, like, listen, your religion is absolute bullshit. He's Mm -hmm. like, we need to stop this. So he randomly transports them to two different locations.
0: Basically it's like uh, sending him to
1: opposite locations where they exactly have to be. Yeah, essentially. Because he's like, you're going to search for this place, you're going to search for this place. So he sends off Master Chief to kind of slow down the profits because what happens is Master Chief lands in that room that we see at the very beginning of the mission because mm-hmm truth is like i have the index now like you see like a grunt's like filming him and the chief just (laughs) appears in the middle of it and looks at the grunt and just goes boo i love that comedy because then like the grunt just throws up a needler and then that's when we see the brutes for the first time we have to fight them and we see the berserker mode for the first time which is always fun Mm -hmm. especially on normal they're pretty difficult (laughs) on normal
0: yeah and and you see that the brutes are now wearing every
1: all the honor guard stuff so you see it's fully
0: confirmed that the Brutes have now taken over all of these aspects Mm -hmm. of it, and we're seeing it in gameplay, not just in cutscene.
1: Yeah, and so once you defeat everyone there, Cortana is now kind of in the Covenant system, Mm -hmm. and she's guiding you throughout this mission, and I love seeing... Now we're truly seeing, like, all this amazing covenant architecture and whatnot. I think it was really, really cool. I thought it was beautiful. Like, for because basically it's high charity. So they Mm -hmm. brought them there. Yeah, we're in high charity now.
0: Yeah, so we're in high charity. And they've they've brought them into some of, like, the most beautiful aspects of it. And you're seeing these pretty crazy grav lifts and what they can do with them
1: yeah it was always cool to see like what new kind of technology they implemented but it was just a lot of fighting your way through you go through a lot of courtyard so for a detailed walkthrough uh you will find the angry skull in one of the Courtyards on a structure above it. God damn it. Just so you know, we were asked about this. Okay, we were asked to talk about this. We, we may or may not do this in our Halo Three episode. Who knows? We're testing the waters here, folks. But I I definitely loved this mission because again, it was like a lot of seeing how the Covenant live and seeing like this this these beautiful areas that like you have the inside corridors, these grab lifts, these these outside courtyard areas. Yeah, and we're starting to see as well like uh we start fighting elites but then we start noticing elites fighting brutes and you're noticing you're either running through battles or kind of like stepping back and like just letting them do their thing yeah and to roll it back just a little bit
0: i want to talk about how much i really like what bungie did with the architecture and structure of the building because at one portion when we're using several of the lists, but one of the list brings us to a holding cell prison i guess is the best way to kind of describe it uh-huh and it gives you various levels, and so Cortana realizes there's Marines on board, and we make our way over to these prison cells, go in, kill the enemies inside, and they come out and grab weapons and kind of help as they do. Yeah,
1: it's kind of like Truth and Reconciliation, which I kind of have in like the trivia section of our notes, but it, yeah, it's it's basically like almost like that, like a wash rinse repeat of that mission. But I something I love and one of the cooler parts is you find yourself eventually having to make your way through the mausoleum yeah. of the Arbiter. So I like that they're visiting the scenes that were in the cutscenes. And of course this is where I put in the notes. Cue breaking Benjamin because we hear because <laughs> we hear blow me away which they wrote just for this which we'll talk about but that that part's really really cool because then we have to fight elites and brutes along with there's hunters in there and uh, that version of the song that's playing won't stop until you kill everyone uh, so after you get through there which is actually kind of a really fun part and seeing this whole area you kill them and you make your way through and that's the end of that mission and this is, I think this is the first time where we actually start seeing, like, levels not split up too much. Now it's like we're just bouncing back between Chief and yeah, and Arbiter. And
0: I think that kind of boiled down to they wanted levels to probably be this long Uh uh-huh. because you could probably bounce back and forth and split the mm-hmm. levels up. Yeah, But since we couldn't do it, yeah, we had to get kind of the backstory of both of them mm-hmm. kind of made it. A little difficult.
1: Yeah. So yeah, the ending cutscene is then we see Tartarus and some brutes walking out the prophets and we start seeing flood infector pods make their way towards them. Mm-hmm. And one gets on mercy and and uh Tartarus tries to save him, but truth says, you know, nope. The 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 great journey waits for no one, brother. And they make their way off, and that's the ending of the mission, which I think is like just so like you asshole. But I mean it is like a politics game and you know that's Yeah, and you realize like that was probably better for him that he died. There are theories out there that he planned it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, by all means, like whatever happens is he is now in complete control. No, he has to answer to no one. Everyone answers to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so a little bit of trivia is like the grave mind, the original sketches for him, were supposed to have skulls as teeth. That's a little more common one, but I think that's still very eerie.
0: Yeah. And it makes sense if you want it to be this like amalgamation mm-hmm. of like all these beings that kind of come together. It's kind of neat. But I'm kind of glad they didn't do it too, because it it would have been kind of tropey.
1: Yeah. Another thing is that he speaks a certain way, which it's a combination of iambic heptameter and trochaic heptameter, two forms of poetry, uh, where it's like. It goes off by syllables, Mm -hmm. Um, so it's really interesting. Did a little bit of research into that, and I definitely even did, would, like, say some of his lines and, like, count the syllables just to, like, make sure. Yeah. So it was really cool. Also, in the very beginning of this mission where we see right uh, before—it's on the outside where they're filming Truth. On Legendary Difficulty, whenever you see one of the grunts climbing a tower, you'll start to see this image fade in, and it's Jason Jones in a towel. (laughs) Fun fact, little things that Bungie just did because they're like, let's have fun. So I I love little things like that. Yeah. And so
0: once we watch that little bit of a trail and move on from Chief's mission, we're now over to the Arbiter again on Uprising. Yep. This is certain. The Brutes shall pay for the blood they have spilled. And so the Arbiter appears outside of a forerunner structure and he picks up a plasma rifle. He just picks up what's available to him. And he starts making his way through this mission and seeing these dead elites and kind of starts talking to himself, you know, about how these brutes will pay for what they've done, mm-hmm. and witnesses all this. And yeah. so this is where you can then pick up a sword to pick up more weapons, and you've got to fight. I think it's one, two, three, six or seven brutes you got to fight through.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely like you have to slaughter them, and the, and then uh, an elite makes his way out, and we see, like their reactions of like they're gonna pay for what they've done because basically this mission has no objectives this Mm -mm. is literally a revenge mission this is like fuck this let's go like and that's what i love is this is purely just a hate anger malice driven mission especially for these this this species that's so honor driven like it's just so cool but this one's pretty straightforward mission uh, eventually, we're we just uh, fight off more and more brutes. Like there, this is also a very vehicle driven uh, mission, which I like. And this one isn't necessarily shorter, but this mission is very kind of just cut and dry. Uh, I know at one point you do make your way inside of an armory, and that's where you find the ghost skull. Very detailed walkthrough, by the yeah, way. Yeah,
0: actually, that's that's the same portion I believe where you start to discover that the. Brutes, I guess, kind of lay out a bunch of different weapons that they found. And I assume it's kind of like fallen
1: trophies. Yeah, or just like they're collecting what they can get, you know. Yeah, I assume because you
0: find rocket launcher, shotgun, you find some covenant weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it's in, like, you get quipped up because then you yeah. basically walk back out and it brings up a little thing about an arena. And it's like a little arena pit. Yeah. And you go back out and you have the option here of either fighting the wraith that's down there or with the Alex Speedstrat, you just walk the other way and you don't yeah, fight it. <laughs> essentially.
1: Yeah, but and then it's just to the point to where you you have to fight off some brute piloted wraiths and ghosts and uh you make your way outside of the structure and that's when you see this uh wraith start approaching you mm-hmm. and then it's like, oh you see it's it's half jaw and you guys realize you see Tartarus start escorting Miranda into the control room and he kinda like does this like sniff and like growl because it's like he smells something familiar and they realize they need to get in there Mm -hmm. and so something i like about this is that well i actually more like dislike is that there were supposed to be cut scenes i'm I'm upset they cut this but there's supposed to be cut scenes of brutes lining up elites and just shooting them dead like something to really show like everything that's going on within the great schism but probably due to time constraints they were cut yeah time
0: constraints and to me that's not really halo like like, i know the brutality of it get it would be uh very good to see and like Mm -hmm. very story driven but i think with a lot of graphic violence like that i just don't think that's halo's way with it
1: yeah true especially it's like not that violent but yeah now we move on to the final mission that we play as the master chief high charity cortana can handle the index stopping truth is up to you So it picks up where we left off with – we see Truth uh, riding off in a phantom, Mm -hmm. and we see Mercy, the prophet of Mercy, struggling with that uh, that, uh, infector pod. And so Chief takes it off of him, and he dies, and then we learn, okay, we need to stop Truth no matter what. And then at this point – we see a pelican drive drop in. Yeah, it's a pelican. Yeah, it's pelican. Infected with a bunch of Flood. But mm-hmm. right before that, I, uh, Cortana says, listen, if he tries to light the ring, we'll just detonate in Amberclad's engines like we did in CE, because yeah. it's like a lot of those parallels. But this is now where we have to start fighting off the Flood, I think it is the first time as Master Chief. His first time as Chief, because this is where... First and only time as Chief.
0: Thank God. <laughs> I know a lot of people do like the Flood. I know it's a different thing. I, to me, it's just kind of tedium. But, yeah, so you you start off, you start off, I think with a carbine and a plasma weapon, mm-hmm. and you start to make your way up and you see that the brutes are, are fighting the flood outside as well, yeah, so you're you're this gets back to kind of what I didn't really like too much about c e was the repetition of missions because mm-hmm. you're basically going right back in,
1: yeah, and I, of course, it's to save time and whatnot, but. It, it is what it is, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've, it's we start making our way back in, and I really like that we start seeing how the flood are taking over, and we're starting to hear the Prophet of Truth talking over the comms, and it's like almost like creepy, and I really do like that feeling yeah. they give you. And we're starting to fight off more uh, flood, and we're, I think even rarely you'll see... A flood with uh, overshield, which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, but this mission is again, it's like one of those that's. Most of our notes were just describing like literally the cutscene because it's it's just walking right back through right where you came and with, uh, with some deviations. And mm-hmm. this is what I want to bring up. And what I really liked about the
0: cinematics of this is if you remember, there's one room you go through, and that's when you first start really hearing the prophet kind of reiterate to the covenant that's there. It's like, this is your mission. This like, is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And it, you can kind of go into this like weird circle bridge. It's hard to describe. But there's like a cliffside that you kind of go up in yeah. there. And there's brutes and, and um, jackals and a couple of grunts up there. Mm-hmm. And the floods start to push in through another door that you have to go through. Well, you make your way through that and you make your way to an identical room that is now flood controlled. So I thought yeah.
2: like the
1: really cool like parallels of mm-hmm. like yeah. jumping into scene is really beautiful to see. Yeah, You can also hear the Gravemind talking eventually too. It's like just, it's such a, it's one of the more scarier environments and I think it's like subtle, you know? Yeah, and it's that thing of like, the prophet
0: held all of this and then Gravemind basically tells them like, oh, you're gonna die swift like, cause we're gonna take over and yeah. like, we are gonna be here forever.
1: Yeah. And so, there's at one point you do make your way up a very long uh, gravity lift. Mm-hmm. Just hold X, and you'll get the you'll get the skull. Yeah, that's actually probably our most accurate. So skull yeah, thing. so uh, hold hold
0: X on the tram with Johnson, and hold X in the gravity lift, and you have two
1: skulls. Exactly. At this point, like we're around the end of the mission, and Cortana's like, "Hey, listen, I need to stay behind. You need to go on this like kind of like grav lift area." I need to stay here, which is the first time, and if you know in the lore that we've talked about how important it is for that to never happen, and she says, leave me behind and go. And the reason why she's staying behind is she has to
0: delay Truth's ship from getting away, and the only way to do that is for her to stay and kind of mm-hmm. mess around with the AI yeah. for Chief to get onto that ship.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. And so he he gets on this kind of teleport thing and goes to the very end and he says you know listen I'm going to come back and she just says like she basically is like I'm dying here like this is my end yeah because she says don't make a girl promise you know you can't keep and this is the last that we would kind of see of chief. And so something I want to bring up and we'll talk about a little bit is at the very beginning of this mission, we were supposed to fight creatures called the Flood Juggernauts, which we'll talk about a little bit more. They were cut last minute, but you can still find them in the, the, the files of Halo 2 somewhere. And then now we're on the final mission of the game, The Great Journey form an unexpected alliance, keep Tartarus from activating the ring. So now it goes back to Half-John Arbiter, and they devise a plan to get into the control room and s- stop Tartarus. So it's really cool. Again, this is a little bit of a shorter mission, but it's the first half of it is you're driving around in vehicles, fighting mm-hmm. off more brutes. And I know eventually uh, we make our way inside of the structure, but outside of it we just see a scarab chilling, like an abandoned yeah. scarab. So you see an abandoned scarab
0: because we made our way... Once again, with their level repetition, we've made mm. our way from kind of this beachfront. We've driven through. We've destroyed some Covenant. We park here. You destroy a couple of race outside with some brutes, mm. and you make your way in and through the structure.
1: Yeah, and then this is cool because we team up with Hunters. They're mm-hmm. just waiting for you you see another Elite pop up. Like, nah, man, we're all going in together. So you go into this room where, like, a bunch of Hunters and uh, these uh, council members are behind, like, a, in a jail, mm-hmm. and you can just release them all. You, like, shoot like the shield and release them all, and it's just badass to see all of them just take Brutes out. Because it's just like, again, you are now on this different side, and it's just, you're you're getting to fight along Hunters, which, hell yeah, that's one of the coolest things ever. It's it's really cool and it's like it's kind of what like Halo it, it gives you the
0: the feeling of like the Halo Overture stuff like mm-hmm. it's like sweet I've got like these unstoppable tanks on my team because we first go through this kind of interior like cavern area uh-huh. and that's when we first get our elite friend and our hunters kind of trim through yeah. that and then once we separate from them that's when you can kind of sneak in bop the jackal, shoot those cells open and mm-hmm. just watch the chaos ensue. yeah,
1: And then so after you fight through more brutes, you make your way outside and you save Johnson from getting killed. Yeah, and then, there's a
0: bunch of brutes that mm-hmm. are like
1: bullying these humans out mm-hmm. there. And that sneaky bastard gets in the scare before you can. But that's when we see now the alliance between this split-off Covenant faction in humanity. Johnson says, listen, we don't like each other, but we have to stop him from lighting the rings. And Mm. so he says, you know, I have a key to get in, and it's the Scarab. So you fight alongside the Johnson-controlled Scarab till you get to that uh, control room. And that's when Johnson blows down the door, and you make your way inside. But right before you make your way inside, I think it's if you go to the right on top of the structure, you'll find another skull. Yes,
0: you have to go... Like, pass it a little bit up top uh-huh. on one of the little uh sitting, what do you call them, like, little sitting area things?
1: Sure, a sitting area thing. Why not? But, yeah, then you find a skull there, and then you make your way inside. I think there's one wave of brutes you have to fight, but there's, like, a lot of them, so it's not fun. Yeah, because you, you have the option
0: of either taking them head on, or there's a little, like, opening to go into the floor.
1: And, like, get them one by one, mm-hmm. which works really well. And then we make our way in and confront Tartarus, and Tartarus is very surprised. You're live, and 343 is there as well, and Miranda and Johnson. And so Arbiter tries one last time to reason with Tartarus. Even everything that's happened, he still tries saying, like, the, pro- the prophets have betrayed us, not the elites. But he's trying to say, like— we can all fight together, but he's too blind and stupid to see, and he activates—he he makes Miranda put her hand on the console and activate the ring. So this is the final boss fight we get in the game, which is mm-hmm. fighting Tartarus, which was different, and it was like—it was intimidating, man. He has that gravity hammer to beating the hell out of everyone. And this is the first time that we actually see the gravity hammer. Mm-hmm, yeah, the, the fist of Rucked, which I think is the coolest— name ever. But we eventually do defeat him along cuz elites keep coming and helping you and Johnson's like taking down his shield. So so the difference between this
0: with any of the other boss battles you've had so far mm. is that Tartarus is invincible until his shield goes down. Uh-huh. And the only way for that to go down is you have Johnson
1: rotating around you on this platform Mm -hmm. and he has a covenant sniper yep and he's just shooting it and you eventually take him down and that's when it cuts to miranda taking the index and making sure the ring doesn't activate Mm -hmm. but all of a sudden it launches something in the center of itself and we see 343 guilty spark explain like well if this ever happens all of the rings are now on standby so it's not like all of the rings and it's like and Miranda asks, where would someone go to activate all of them? And he says, the Ark. Mm-hmm. And then now we switch back to Chief arriving at Earth in the Dreadnought. And initially, Lord Hood says, shoot it down. And then Chief says, like, hey, I'm on this, here. Yeah,
0: this is Spartan 117. Yeah,
1: yeah, of course, it's kind of the intro. Isolate that signal. Yeah, it's which, if you haven't noticed, it is the intro to our podcast. But, you know, he says, you, know, you mind telling me what you're doing on that ship? And he says, sir, finishing this fight. And then cut to credits. And that is how the game ends, which... No one expected. So that's kind of one reason why it wasn't uh, the best ending, but true. But I mean, the thing is, though, so you have your
0: after credit scenes, which if you if you didn't already know that they were kind of setting up for a possible third from the ending of what it was. You then see the after credit scenes, which is back at High Charity, and you see the whole thing is just stanky with flood. Mm-hmm. That's a, one way to describe it, all stanky. stanky with flood. <laughs> and then you start, you see, because basically you see this flood spore mm-hmm. that kind of travels through. It's very cinematic and beautiful. And mm-hmm. whenever we get to the anniversary edition, it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. But it floats through, and you see the tentacles kind of crawling on uh-huh. through, going up to what we then realize is a terminal. And it's mm-hmm. a little terminal where Cortana pops out.
1: Yep. And he basically says, hey, I'm alive and I have questions. So she just says, all right, shoot. She's entertaining it. like, mm-hmm. And that is truly how the game ends. So that is the Halo 2 campaign. Now, we're not done here. If you're familiar with our Combat Evolved episode, we still have quite a bit of information to go through. So the first thing we want to go through is what did they cut? Because there was a lot. So the first thing, the Shark or the Adrenal that were supposed to be in Combat Evolved were cut. The blind wolf that was supposed to be in combat evolved as well was cut. Engineers and actually at one point they were supposed to look like buggers were also cut. Now that flood juggernaut I told you about that was cut that was supposed to almost act as this kind of central grave mind mm-hmm. it was supposed to be eighteen foot tall. So if you killed one, all the flood around would die. So it'd be like Doom s kind of like killing mm-hmm. like a mini boss. Yeah. Uh, they also had something that was called a stalker, which was this uh, six limbed creature with sharp fangs. They had a species that was like just a sniper species. They could use like their limbs as a tripod and shoot at you and like shift back and forth. But that's
0: that's interesting because there there are games that have done that. They they're yeah. like the creatures have like um, bladed. Feet, I guess you would say. Uh, that's what I kind of imagine.
1: Yeah, but they they realized like they just couldn't develop the movements that they wanted. Another one that they had that there was a level supposed to be called the Sentinel Headquarters. yes yeah, so there's was a couple levels it took out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sentinel Headquarters was one. Little was known about this other than it's going to have a lot of Forerunner technology. We also had this game was supposed to end with a Warhard rug. Thank God it didn't. Like like a uh, Halo CE, but. Unfortunately, that was cut. Now we have the Forerunner tank, which was actually supposed to happen after the level Regret, where Chief drives a f- uh, this Forerunner tank, and he battles off all these uh, these tentacles from the Grave Mine mm, before okay. finally the Grave Mine gets him to kind of bridge the gap in between Quarantine Zone and Regret. Which,
0: which I'm okay with them cutting that, because once again, that doesn't feel like a Halo no. mission. That feels like generic sci-fi shooter thing yeah 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 so i'm just really glad that they didn't keep stuff like that in. Mm,
1: yeah and then another one they had is initially whenever you quote unquote deliver the bomb that was actually just supposed to be a mission where chief jumps into a covenant ship and just completely annihilates it from the inside out like we saw with that 2002 Mm -hmm. trailer that's what it was supposed to be but they instead we got a really cool cinematic from it but that was supposed to be a whole mission in itself
0: yeah and another thing with it is the beginning cinematic where the arbiters getting punished? They wanted to have engineers with a tray of basically hot dogs, popcorn, and candy. Yeah, uh, which is funny. Which I would have definitely. It would have, liked. It would
1: have only been on legendary, which is
0: cool. It's kind of like the Johnson hugging ending. Yeah,
1: or even just uh, Jason Jones in a towel kind of thing. It, like,
0: and and we we'll definitely you know talk with you guys more as we go through just about. Even just doing like, because I really want to do like a mini series when we get through a lot of games, it's Mm -hmm. just all the hidden bungee stuff
1: they've done. Yeah. Cause because I mean, there's so much. And it's, it's, when we're trying to do an episode and cover everything, there is some stuff that we just like, we can't really dive that into. Like with the skulls, like we couldn't make a whole damn episode about that, but like there's a lot to cover for this. Like we're already like two hours into this episode. We still have a minute to go. Just a warning. Just, but, just 60 seconds. Yeah. Uh, another thing is that the assault rifle was cut, as yeah. we talked about. Flamethrower, they still couldn't get. So they cut that. There was supposed to be a boat, which. Alex is not a fan of those water levels, so I think... No, and you have to figure, they also... This is still the
0: era where they couldn't figure out how to do decent water physics when you swam, so... It's kind of like the GTA. If you got into water at that time, you just died. So there's no point in having
1: water levels until you could successfully do water. We also had a hovercraft that they wanted, but they had to cut. The mongoose as well was going to be in this. They slapped into three. Yeah, they slapped into three. Theater mode as well was supposed to be in this, but it got cut. As well as Chief's armor, another thing, his uh, armor was going to be affected based on the difficulty. I couldn't really find what. Interesting. It was probably just weaker weaker than it Hardy yeah.
0: was. And another thing that I I am glad they didn't put in what they do in some games now is sprinting would have put you into third person. Mm-hmm. So you had to start to sprint and after four seconds of walking. so which it was is, automatic. Yeah, which is... Some games I like that in. This mm-hmm. would be one where... I don't know if I would have. It would have been weird because there's not a lot of places where walking for four seconds was a real reality.
1: Yeah, no. But and something with that sprinting though, is if you had dual SMGs, if you started sprinting, you would drop them, and f- two middle fingers would go up, and that's a little. That's I mean that's like Duke Nukem. that's that's not... that's too Mountain Dew for me.
2: <laughs> it's <laughs> it's it's
0: too Duke Nukem. Doomish like where like it those are those like. Funny sci fi yeah. shooters. And this one just, it wouldn't be that.
1: Yeah. And then it's not necessarily cut, but. All of the lines for Halo 2's original endings are recorded, but Martin O'Donnell said he's never going to release them. So I think that's crazy, as well as there were multiple cutscenes that were in the middle of development that they took out that were kind of shortened up. One of them is where whenever the Arbiter at the very end saves Johnson from the Brutes, there's actually going to be a long, drawn-out, hand-to-hand battle between the Arbiter and the Brutes. Uh, another thing we had was the sanctum of the higher arcs which in the middle of the game there would be a cutscene explaining the covenant religion that was cut due to uh joe Staten feeling that they were trying to push the covenant side a little too hard mm-hmm. like we shouldn't be almost to this level of sympathizing with them so instead they they kept that scene where it was like changing of the guard and that uneasy tension within the covenant another uh, another in the final cutscene was uh, it shows a, a spec ops elite talking to the prophets confused about why the elites were being replaced by the brutes kind of similar to the other cutscene they cut uh, and it dives into the writ of union which they start kind of they start reciting it which I thought that was kind of cool and it ha- it shows this mural of the seven stages of the covenant forming hmm. and which it, and it you can find these and still see it it's really really cool. And then you know this was replaced within Half Jaw talking to the prophets about being replaced, which is understandable.
0: I mean, I mean, like I said, Halo itself is a cinematic game, but it mm-hmm. didn't rely on cinematics. The only really big cinematic you had that was like a tracing shot was when the spore at the end.
1: Yeah, as I said, like and, and it worked out well. Yeah. But so now let's move on to the next thing, which is the multiplayer. Yeah, and so for Halo Two
0: multiplayer, the team from the game Oni were brought on and joined the Halo team to work on multiplayer. After they were done with that, they were promised they could work on any game they wanted, which at the time was a game called Monster Hunter, though it wasn't the same game we know today. Yeah,
1: different one, different one.
0: Yeah. The idea was thrown out to all the small area-based multiplayer modes, especially all the popular things in CE were getting scrapped. Though, Max Hoberman, former Bungie online design lead, fought to keep the smaller scale levels in multiplayer, which I think is what a lot of people really love, Yeah, stuff like Lockout.
1: Yeah, because they were going to do more of bigger size maps, like Warzone, Mm -hmm. but last minute, they're like, okay, okay, back to smaller size for the most part, you know? Makes sense. Yeah. A majority of Bungie didn't even work on the multiplayer, though. They worked on the campaign. So, like, that's why, like, this multiplayer, should have been terrible like if you if you saw what they were doing like they did it it made sense though and like to help with time that a lot of these maps did reflect scenes within the campaign so a lot of what you saw was essentially like oh that was in this level or that's in this level so i thought that was really
0: really cool and it makes sense to reutilize stuff that you already have because If not your one, you'd have to tie it back in somehow. Like you already had like your staples, like coagulation mm-hmm. um, and things like that, that you're bringing, you're kind of porting over from CE, but having everything else and having like backgrounds to those things was really awesome to see. Yeah. Uh, so with this, the also introduced proximity voice, which is a thing with Xbox Live that added in that if you were close to Enemies specifically was one really big thing uh-huh. they could hear them.
1: Yeah, which I thought was really really cool. Um, as well as they they introduced icons that you could customize, and then the ones that would appear like on top of your character. And which we even saw uh, like we had this this Halo Two game night recently where we brought on some people. It was eight people total, and we played like two two and a half hours of classic Halo Two. And you would see if like someone died, their character would instantly like the the icon would turn into an X you're like, oh, shit, I shouldn't go in there because everyone just died. So really cool things like that that they implemented in the multiplayer.
0: Yeah. And one other big thing that Halo 2 introduced, I think specifically around Xbox Live community and really pushed it, was the party system. Uh, mm-hmm. Where you can pair up with your friends and kind of join different casual play or competitive play. Yeah. And go
1: through any levels that you really wanted to with them yeah and that's kind of what spawned like clans first initially being born but the the multiplayer itself wasn't only just developed but it was played for two years straight so the second they could even just move a guy they played it every second they could along with developing it that way they would give fans the best multiplayer that they could get their hands on at the time and they really did yeah It, it sparked xbox live as truly like this thing that people need to get and well what i really like
0: too is they did this themselves i mean a lot of it would be in kind of the flight testing we have coming out with this mm-hmm. and beta testing because with this, the first two weeks of multiplayer led to many crash games due to weapons that shouldn't have been in multiplayer and mm. only worked for campaigns because they didn't write the code for both. Luckily, Bungie playing these many, many hours of it did catch this before a lot of players did and snuck in a patch to kind of quickly fix that.
1: Like, oh, no, you never saw that. What are you talking about? But yeah, and then something else that was cool is they added last minute this did you know section in the multiplayer lobby and some of the stuff. Was was just really silly statements, but some of it would actually give insight into Halo Reach's gameplay later on, which I thought was crazy. It's it's really neat, and it's a feature that a lot of games have now,
0: because uh, especially it's just really nice for loading screens, mm-hmm. just to throw in... like I would say, like, typically most games, it's probably a third to two-thirds maybe, like, actual facts about stuff. Yeah. And then the rest of it's usually just, like, either... Let's say there's a character that talks a lot, maybe from them or something. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really neat to see that. Yeah. So to kind of delve into multiplayer, I wanted to start off with a couple of the game modes you could do.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh,
0: you started off with your classic Slayer. Yeah. Uh, Killer be killed. Uh, and what really lent Halo 2 to that multiplayer aspect was being able to do these custom games you could make. So you'd have... Slayer, you could do Team Slayer, and then a lot of popular modes started popping up that people liked because you customized mm-hmm. what weapons were on the map, what vehicles, things like that. Yeah. So you had these modes like uh, Team Rockets, Team Swords, Team Snipers, where those yeah. were the only sole weapon you had. And it became such a cool aspect for people to do that. Mm-hmm. And so with the advent of Slayer, you then have another classic of Capture the Flag. Mm -hmm. And Capture the Flag gave you several modes, including two-way flag. So each team had to defend and attack. Mm -hmm. One flag, one attack, one defend. uh, And then a neutral flag that was in the middle. And it was kind of like a relay race. You had to go grab it and bring it back before the other team could attempt to do it themselves. Yeah. And then another mode that we have is Oddball. Uh, Mm -hmm. And Oddball is basically keep away. There's team oddball. There's neutral oddball. Which is a keep away. It's a time limit. thing with it, the ball becomes a skull. Yeah. And with this odd ball, you can just whack people. It's
2: mm-hmm. pretty get... simple. It's like
0: it's like a one-hit kill usually. Yeah. yeah. And then you yeah. just whack them about and uh, basically try and live the longest. And then you have your other typical modes you'll find in other shooters and things like that. King of the Hill with variations. Yeah. You have a mode called Juggernaut, which is basically a souped-up Spartan that has an overshield, does a bit more damage, mm-hmm. and you only earn kills when you play as that character. Um, and then various other modes that the developers have put in and adapted. Like, one that a lot of people love is uh, SWAT. And One of my favorites. And what SWAT is, it's no shields, and it's basically you have, I believe, sort of the the pistol and the battle rifle, Mm -hmm. and it's headshots win. And then there's variation of no shields and shields, I believe, in the game rotation now on Master Chief Collection, there are shields, but I believe you can also do without shields, which is the pro way to do it
1: yeah, but definitely for sure. and even it's like I don't know SWAT is for sure my my favorite. So then let's let's go on to like the maps themselves. like you know, we had the initial maps and some DLC. So what were some of the initial maps that even like we played on? So your go to's you had were lockout, which is a
0: fantastic, smaller map that really lends itself to swords or snipers, really any kind of small, really localized mm-hmm. gameplay. So you have Ascension, Midway, Ivory Tower, which is another fantastic map. Beaver Creek, Burial Mounds, Colossus, Zanzibar, which is for me one of my favorites. It's a really cool single flag or bomb map.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: coagulation, which brought us back from the old Blood Gulch from CE. Yeah. Uh, headlong waterworks and
1: foundation yeah and so moving on to the dlc the dlc even has story itself because nothing can ever be too easy and the cool thing i really liked with the dlc like we're going to
0: dive into it but it was released in these kind of incremental chunks and having xbox live really led itself for dlc and be able to get Uh extra content that didn't necessarily have to be A full game or a full expansion pack.
1: Yeah. So when it came to the creation of the DLCs, Max Hoberman had this to say... Before we started planning Halo 3, Pete Parsons, uh, an internal Microsoft executive at Bungie, came to me and said, While we figure out what we're doing for Halo 3, we've got these environment artists and a bunch of level designers. We'd like to do some DLC. So I went from a team with two environment artists uh, to a team with 30 environment artists, none of which had any experience with multiplayer. It was especially challenging because they gave me a mandate that drove me bonkers. The team had such a painful experience on Halo 2 the the priority was that everyone have fun and enjoy themselves not that we put out a quality product the DLC wasn't great because of it so I was kind of disappointed with that but yeah so even the DLCs there was kind of some like working with junior developers or unexperienced developers. But we still got uh, four map packs total out of it. We did total. And going back just
0: a little bit with this, when we're talking about environmental artists, when you're dealing with a campaign that's linear, typically, or dealing with that, like, you don't have to worry about competitive play. Uh But when you're even just throwing in a casual game and you have multiple people using that area, it becomes tough to think of balancing to think of environment that you're working in, to think of like what's interesting, what can be a sniper spot. So once again, it's tough to deal with you know like junior developers and things like that. But overall, they did what they could.
1: Yeah, I think they put out a good product.
0: Yeah, and their first map pack was called the Maptacular Pack, which I love all of the names of these. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you had Backwash, Elongation, which is a map that has survived the test of time, Gemini, Relic. Terminal. Then after that, you started getting. So that was, I believe, the only one on disk. The other three were download only, and you had the Kiltacular pack, which had Sanctuary and Turf you had the lacking of a name bonus map pack, which is apparently a free surprise download sponsored by Mountain Dew because who else understands gamer better than the Dew? Exactly.
1: They and, know They know what we want.
0: Yeah, and that actually had two maps that have also stood the test of time. I've gotten some remakes, which is Containment and Warlock. Uh And then you had the Blastacular map pack, which was developed by Max Hoberman's new company, Certain Affinity, and that was Desolation and Tombstone.
1: Yeah, we'll talk about Certain Affinity because that kind of more came up so within Halo 3's development. Mm -hmm. But so when it comes to the end of the multiplayer, in 2010, April 15th, the Halo 2 servers were officially laid to rest along with the rest of the original Xbox servers. This would help pave way for the Halo Reach servers, though leaving many fans upset, only having six years to play Halo 2 online, but we saw some heroes here we did see a group of 500 players who stayed logged in to their original Xbox Live accounts. And by April 30th, there was only 12 fans remaining playing with each other on multiplayer and they were called the uh, Noble 12. These 12 fans were given Halo Reach beta keys as an award for keeping Halo 2 alive. Nine days later, 10 of the 12 either experienced internet connection issues that forced them to leave the servers or some just voluntarily signed off because they're like, you want to play Halo Reach. Yeah. So we only had two left. And by May 10th, users Agent Windex and uh, Apache N4SIR uh, were booted from the server, officially marking the end of the Halo 2 servers. I think that's crazy. I think it's amazing. I, I love
0: those little things because I think that's happened with World of Warcraft. And it's happened with a couple other games where... Mm-hmm. All these characters are online, like, just watching their server die.
1: Yeah. It started with 500 and ended with 2. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. And the fact that, like... Some bungee employees, like, or even I think it was a Microsoft employee, like, tweeted out to them, like, "I see you guys." Like, it was like one of those things. They weren't mad about it. They're like, "We get it." Like, this is how it has to be. But we get it, and it's kind of cool that you're doing that. Can, can we talk about for a second, just the, the game night we had? Since we're kind of on, yeah. this
0: yeah. So we'll we'll touch on this game night. So we'll we'll have another one coming up soon. Yeah, um but we were very excited for this, and and. It actually turned out well for our first kind of like, hey, let's try this thing.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, because we haven't actually like touched like a lot of like Halo party making or anything in a minute. And like the UIs are changing even on the just Xbox in general. But it was really, really fun getting some people from our Discord. And like it was like two and a half hours of us just laughing on the discord chat we all got on our mics and just having a really really good time it brought
0: us back and this is why like we started this and love it it brought us back to that nostalgic kind of playing in high school and Uh middle school thing it it was just fun there was no feeling of competition or feeling of like because that's how i feel with overwatch It's like, if I'm losing, I get pissed at myself. Yeah. You get angry. With this, if you're losing,
1: you're like, eh, whatever. I was always losing. (laughs) I was I was was literally the worst player the whole time, except for the last game. I think we were both the worst. But, no, I remember at one point they were talking, uh, some of the developers on Bundy were talking about Halo multiplayer and how, like, the games themselves aren't only fun, but literally talking about the game afterwards. And I found... That's what we were doing. We're like, oh, yeah. that, that, you know, when I went in that cave and you got me, like, it was so fun. And it was really cool to, like, reach out to some of our listeners. I know, I can't remember who. Someone was just like, so are you guys a podcast? Because he just saw an Instagram post and hopped on. Yeah. It was really cool, but it was also really, really fun. These random game types we did. The very last mission, my team... Did end up winning, capture the flag. That was good because at one point it was like, ah, we're losing, and then we actually started getting like competitive to where we're like, okay, someone stay behind. Like, who's gonna stay behind? Okay, I've got the scorpion. Let's go. Like, and then of course my favorite part is we got back into the main lobby, and I'm like, we finally beat you. And I just heard Alex go, yeah, I think we're finding the weak weak link. And I just hear someone go, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) It was
0: fun. Like I had a blast. And like I said, we're gonna be having another one. We'll have one again, specifically for Halo 3 when we get to that, Uh but we're going to try and have some more regular ones with some theme nights, Mm -hmm. um, just some you know what do you want to play type things
1: we'll probably put some polls up in discord yeah um, and there's some stuff on instagram as well so yeah it was just really fun shout out to all those guys i'll give you a shout out here at the end uh for coming on and just making that like a great night and we were just laughing the whole time and even just like playing and like just having discussions while we were playing and stuff like that we were talking about like some lore and like some stuff about the podcast and all this other stuff it was really cool
0: yeah so look on, be on the lookout uh, very soon, we'll say that, mm-hmm. uh, when our next game night is. And for our Euro and Asian and Australian and African and South Americans, you have the same time as us, uh, friends... Mm -hmm. Uh, we are going to probably do a day one at some point as well, depending on demand. So if we do have some of you guys that are across the world, like we want to hear from you, like we want to sit down and play with you guys, Mm -hmm. and we want to make sure that we can make that happen. So we'll talk more on that. Like uh, check in our Discord, which will be linked on this podcast, as well as our Instagram uh, for more
1: details with that. Yeah. So now let's move on to my favorite part of the game episodes, which is the music. Martin O'Donnell feels that if he truly enjoys the game he says that he can understand the game emotionally and will make his work even better. Now this soundtrack was a departure from the Halo Combat Evolved soundtrack because it was released in two volumes. Volume one was released alongside the game November 9th 2004 and volume two was released two years later on April 25th 2006 both were written and composed by martin O'Donnell and michael salvatori produced by niall rogers and released on something else music works cool elements about this soundtrack is that steve Vai and john mayer were on this john mayer can be heard on uh the soundtrack b Beho- or the track beholden but he's uncredited because he went under under his manager's nose because he was like I literally want to tell my friends that I was on a Halo soundtrack. Mm -hmm. So he just did it, which I think is amazing. Now, with Steve Vai, him, seeing a video of him playing over for the first time just a random scratch track, half the things he plays that first time through actually come into the actual Mjolnir mix that he's featured on. He's also featured on the track Reclaimer. But it was really, really cool that they let him do almost whatever he wanted. Clearly they wanted him to follow some melodies. But it wasn't just him coming in and doing whatever. Like they would like bounce ideas off of each other. Like Martin O'Donnell and Nile Rogers would be like, You should kind of like you should just throw this note in and he would just do it then. And they'd be like, Yeah, that's good, that's perfect. So it was really cool to see a guy like that. Come in and literally say, I'll do whatever you want. Like, I don't care. He was literally like, I'll do rhythm if you want. I can do leads if you want. I don't care. I can do some chuggy stuff. And there's like, let's just vibe. And it was just, it was so cool. So the fact that we had not only famous actors in this game, but we had famous musicians playing in this game. Like, I, this soundtrack as well was starting to show people that like video game soundtracks really do matter at this point.
0: Well, and like I said before, with your older tunes, like Nintendo was fantastic with mm-hmm. this. And a lot of your old arcade games, like your chip tunes, they really bring you back. You know what yeah. game it is from that. But now that you're actually putting money and, like we said, this cinematic quality into things. I mean, mm-hmm. because it's shown within Volume 1. And it featured artists like Incubus, Hubastank, now Rogers, who was producer on it. And Breaking Benjamin, along with original and new Halo tracks. It's really neat to see... That these now pretty washed up, uh, amazing two thousands <laughs> bands were on this like like at the time that is fantastic and yeah some of you younger people might not know who all of those artists are which is mm-hmm. weird
1: to say, uh yeah for guys that are pushing their thirties but yeah oh well
0: oh well but yeah it's it's really cool and so Breaking Benjamin
1: did their track for free. Which yeah. kind of goes back to the John Mayer aspect of it. Yeah, they did it because it was like for promotion. Yeah. Uh, which is, again, crazy. And I, I remember seeing a post of someone on Instagram that when they saw Breaking Benjamin, they saw their vocalist wearing a shirt that says, I could kick your ass in Halo 2. <laughs> so that's so crazy to think. But yeah, this actually ended up being 162 on the top 200 billboard and sold over 100,000 copies. That's awesome. For a video game soundtrack being on the top 200 billboard is absolutely crazy. And in the physical edition of Volume 1, it would also include a part of the Covenant Writ of Union. All these little things, they, do, they these details they don't have to put in the game. They put in the game because why the hell not? So, volume two uh, was less about like those individual tracks, and it was just more about. However you'd play it, you know, if you play it from start to finish, that's how the music would play in mm-hmm. the game was broken up into suites. So yeah, has the full suite of music from the game itself. Yeah, it had 12 suites, but if you wanted to break those down, it was 33 total tracks. Got it. Which I thought was really, really cool. Now, there's also, I remember we were doing this, this playthrough. There is a Lost Song played at Cairo Station and Gravemind. Um, I heard it, but I can't find the Halo Two Lost song on the internet area anywhere. We found the Combat Evolved Lost song, but I can't find this one anywhere, and it's frustrating. But another cool thing they did do that there's this voice that you can hear in the Mausoleum suite. Now, if you play this message backwards and you speed it up, you're gonna hear this. I have walked among men and angels for three thousand years. Time has no end, no beginning no purpose. I wandered the earth, seeking forgiveness for my horrible crimes against God and man. I live to see death and destruction. Evil over the light, but the light cannot be extinguished. I live in a prison of my own demise. I am lost. Many believe this to be a message from 032 Mendicant Bias, a character that will be more explored in Halo 3. And that's when we'll explore him then too, because... We can't jump too far ahead, but cool things like that that you hear, and I actually did some research, and they do this again in Halo Three, mm-hmm. which is cool, and we'll talk about that later on. But yeah, over, it, these soundtracks were awesome, and these details they put in were unnecessary but appreciated. One,
0: well, what I love is two going forward, they put in a bunch of hidden tracks. Mm-hmm. Like there's an achievement for it now, and it's a little tidbit over on over on Ivory Tower behind that kind of elevator lift that kind of shoots you up a little bit mm. there is a big kind of garage door area and in basically between 3 to 6 minute intervals it'll play this hidden track yeah in there and it's just it's really interesting that they throw that little those little fun tidbits mm-hmm. in yeah and
1: say with like breaking benjamin that song will it keeps playing until you defeat everyone in the room. So I love this soundtrack. It's one of the best. I know we've put up polls before or even posts on our Instagram. It's like, which do you think is the best? And Halo 2 and 3 are usually the top contenders right up there with, Ooh, ODST. with ODST. Yeah, right up there with ODST. Mm-hmm. So let's go through uh, just a quick how many versions of this game were released. Pretty decent amount. I mean, and, yeah. and
0: we'll see that when we get to Master Chief Collection about kind of which ones they're using uh, mm-hmm. now. We had the original Xbox release. Followed by the PC Windows Vista exclusive because everyone loves me some Vista. (laughs) You had the collector's edition, uh, which is one thing that we're currently offering for our giveaway.
1: Yeah, by the time this is released, it will be the day after the giveaway ends. So, but you didn't win. I'm sorry. Yeah, I won. (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh but the collector's edition was the first additional release we would see in the halo franchise and it was that steel book and it had a making of halo 2 dvd which is awesome and a booklet titled conversations from the universe
1: we used that making of halo 2 dvd for a lot of these notes mm-hmm. I'd, I'd say probably about 30 or 40 percent of these notes easily came from that
0: it's great like and i personally just love to see like behind the scenes of what goes on in really mm-hmm. any production oh yeah so it's just really cool to see that yeah and then uh Outside of the main game itself, we had the map packs. And so you have the map pack, which was featured all the DLC maps along with A Day at the Beach, which is a short animation following the story of the other pelican that crashed at the beginning of Outskirts. So it's whenever we're seeing that scarab take us mm-hmm. out. Yep. So that's really cool. And then it also included trailers for Halo Combat Evolved and Halo 2, along with a documentary about the development of the nine maps included
1: on the map pack. Exactly. There was also the triple pack that we talked about Mm -hmm. that was Halo Combat Evolved 2 and the map pack. It had its own platinum hits and of course we have the classic version and the anniversary remake on Halo MCC which we will talk about that remake along with the Combat Evolved remake once we get to that point. Mm -hmm. We also had the first time we would ever see an original Xbox or just a console for Xbox Uh, alongside Halo 2. We had an, an Xbox that was Halo themed. It was that green one. Yeah, yeah,
0: it was like a special bundle for it. Yeah, I think
1: you can find that online for like 200 bucks or something. Get us to 100,000 followers and we'll do that as a giveaway. All right, cool. Sounds good. Yeah, let's do that. So now that we've, we've gone through all of this, let's talk about the general reaction of this game. We're coming to the end of this episode. Now we just want to know, what did the world think about this? I mean, essentially, let's start off with a quote from OXM saying Halo 2 is the single greatest achievement on the platform, which the OXM gave them a 10 out of 10. Uh, While in production, Frank O'Connor expected Halo 2 to be more of like a Halo 1.5, but it blew away all of his expectations. Like regardless of the setbacks of the deadline, the whole Bungie team was beyond impressed that they delivered what they did, even though those feelings were also mixed with the stress that the game brought upon their lives. Within eleven minutes, this game sold eighty five hundred copies. Within eleven minutes, mm-hmm. uh, that's more that's more than plays we have right now. Uh, <laughs> please, but, please listen uh, to us. <laughs> uh, by daybreak, it had two hundred thousand copies, and then uh, in the US, U.S. alone, by the end of the first day, it had released or it had sold two point four million copies. That the, was that's just over, in the U S. Yeah, and that's over one hundred twenty five million dollars, which was. Apparently, at the time, a record
0: for any production release because the closest to it uh, was Spider Man, which they beat out, which on opening weekend it made 114, but over three days.
1: That's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's, well, to think, it sold five million copies within three weeks. Like, that's absolutely insane. Yeah, like especially for a physical media. Mm-hmm, yeah, and it's – it's yeah, as we said, like it, it's going down as not only one of the greatest Halo games of all time but one of the greatest video games of all time even though you have that contrast of it has one of the worst endings of all time. But I think – really that it just was, it still was a great game overall, even though that some critics did fault its campaign for being a little too similar to Combat Evolved because of those kind of repetitive moments and going back and forth. And then even the Gravemind himself fell under scrutiny because people thought like, th- there was no more mystery left to the Flood, which there absolutely was mystery still left, just because they have a commander doesn't mean I still don't know where the hell they came from. Like, Yeah, but I guess it boils down to, if you just knew
0: the two games, and like that that was Mm -hmm. kind of your only lore building that you had at the time. It can kind of be like, okay, all your cards on the table now. Like I know exactly where your hand is. So I get that, and like, when we we delve through some message boards from way back when, and Uh it's kind of the only thing, like people, and I think what we kind of talked about too the multiplayer is what really kept it alive.
1: Yeah, it's it's what boosted it to the next level. Mm-hmm. But even though, like, also the the legendary difficulty yep. uh, was subject for dismay for fans. Because basically, Bungie didn't have enough time to balance out or the legendary mode. So they just kind of turned everything up to 10 and left it at there. Which kind of sucks, but, you know, the, it has gone down as one of the hardest legendaries. If not the hardest legendary of all time. But, I mean, by all means, if you can beat it, you're a better person than I. Or any legendary, for that matter. So so let's go into overall like reviews, like what they got. Like a handful of them, like your OXM. The US OXM gave them nine point seven out of ten. It was the Australian OXM that gave them ten out of ten.
0: They loved those. Just really shitty Australian accents that were <laughs> in there. They gave him 10 out of 10 for it.
1: IGN gave him a 9.8 out of 10. Game Informer gave him a solid 10 out of 10. Play Magazine gave him a 9 out of 10. X Play gave them a 5 out of 5. And then Xbox uh, from GameSpot gave them a 9.4 out of 10. The meta score is 95 out of 100, making it the third highest ranked original Xbox game behind Combat Evolved and the Grand Theft Auto Triple Pack. That's respectable. Can't fault that. I'd say at the end of the day, there's a famous quote that supposedly is or isn't from Jason Jones, who had this to say about Halo 2. Halo 2 is a lot like Halo 1, only it's Halo 1 on fire, going 130 miles per hour through a hospital zone, being chased by helicopters and ninjas, and the ninjas are all on fire, too. Overall, this was one of the greatest accomplishments in gaming at the time. And so I just want to go down to what did we think about it? This is the last thing we cover. What did we think about Halo 2? So this goes
0: back to what I said in our zero episode. Like, this is my favorite Halo game of all time. I love the campaign, but mm-hmm. for me, it's the multiplayer. It's what really made it. It, it Being able to make these custom games, jumping with friends, yeah, smack talk other kids when we were doing it way back when, and just be in these environments. And like we said, even though multiplayer was like some weird hindsight that they had and they were just kind of these like chunks of other maps they put into there and kind of sculpted it around.
1: Yeah. That's what made it for me. Yeah, it was definitely the driving force. Like granted that campaign was amazing, the music was amazing, cinematics and everything like that, you can't fault that the multiplayer carried it on its back, and mm-hmm. truly, not only the game, but Xbox Live itself. Yeah. like again, like we talked about that that game night we had. It was amazing. It was phenomenal. Just to laugh about everything that happened and all our comments and how we were dying. Like, imagine that every weekend. Yeah, and that's that's one other fact I forgot to bring
0: up with it. But they actually set a record with whenever uh, xbox live launched and halo 2 was there mm-hmm. halo 2 had a concurrent 118,000 players which in today's standards is tiny mm-hmm. but at that time was monstrous for yeah. a new online system
1: yeah it's just it's so crazy to think
0: yeah and and we talked about it a little earlier in the episode and we're going to keep talking about it forever i mean thank you guys again for doing our game night but uh uh-huh. it, it sparked so much like jesse and i we started this kind of going back into Halo as a refresher uh-huh. because we, we played the games. We hadn't played that in a bit. So to jump into multiplayer and kind of be like, oh, do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, the sniper rifle's up there. Oh, the mm-hmm. rockets are down there. That was so cool to do. I, I Like I said, I have always loved Halo 2. It's my go-to game. If you haven't played it, and I, some people might not. I know we have a couple
1: listeners that aren't really gamers, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. But if you haven't, it's a really fun play. For anyone, it's hard to say, but I I might even recommend it. Like that's a game, the the original Halo Two. I like like Combat Evolved. I don't think it's aged too terribly well. So I'd say that we are fortunate to have a anniversary edition. So, I mean, like, play that anniversary edition. Like, that's exactly what we thought it looked like when we were kids. Like, mm-hmm. you do have this new version where it's like, and it is the best looking Halo game. Like, I don't care who you are, it's the best looking one, hands down. But play that game, even if you do just the classic one, just just play it and really appreciate What took the Halo franchise to the next level and just kicked us all in the balls with this amazing story, this amazing music, this amazing multiplayer in this way to connect to people across the world and truly find yourself enjoying melting your eyes and your brain in front of that tube television, you know?
0: So to kind of wrap this up for you guys, we wanted to kind of thank those who did come up for game night Mm -hmm. uh, because we really appreciate you not only playing with us but helping us with our research, like letting these me and jesse just
1: babble at you and just have some fun i went off on a few tangents that i do with alex all the time and they had to suffer through it and yeah, so it, it, it kind of got silent for a second but so you
0: guys had to witness this but thanks again i'm gonna butcher some of these names but you guys know who i am you could just yell at me so skyjack hell 9804 i live at eku swimmable orb 1 tiger nation 116
1: thinking guy 707 and diesel 0907 y'all were the mvps it was a really really fun game night we're gonna be doing it again but yeah, it was like two and a half hours of just constant playing having fun it was just cool to like relive like some old memories of just like but just like multiplayer in general like mm-hmm. I haven't had that f- much fun since I was in high school yeah like it's crazy to think it like and that was like eight or nine years ago or something but again thank you and overall like let's rank this game right now if you had to do out of 10 you can do as many decimal points as you want Uh, Out of 10, what do we rank Halo 2 as a whole? Not just the multiplayer or everything, as a whole, this disc right here. I would say as a whole, I mean, I'm going 9.5. I was literally the same.
0: I mean, you had some flaws, but these are flaws that people nitpicked at for me later
1: yeah well even then like go through like everything that happened part of it was Bungie's fault for being a little too ambitious but part of it was also microsoft's fault and you know just laying the hammer down on them and making them do this you know and what the hope is with 343
0: now having this decent i would say more than they had amount of time for uh infinite i'm hoping Mm -hmm. that we can get that kind of like oh, we got everything
1: in this total package. Yeah, essentially what we got with three. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, thank you for listening to this episode. This is almost a three-hour episode at this point, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, our next episode will be the graphic novel, the f- the first comic we will ever get in the Halo franchise. Yeah, so if you guys hate books, this is an easy one to pick up and flip
0: through. There's pictures. Yeah, People it's, enjoy it's, that. It's
1: pretty crazy if you're stupid like oh, us. <laughs> but no, so it, it's really, really fun read, actually. And it's, there's a really cool story behind it but uh again thank you for listening to this episode it was really really fun to research i know we talked it up for a long time and we finally got it out of the way with with that i am your host jesse reiners and i'm your host alex kendall and thank you for tuning in to finish the fight a halo podcast
2: halo it's finished no i think we're just getting started